two little mice fell in a bucket of cream. The first mouse quickly gave up and drowned. The second mouse wouldn't quit. He struggled so hard that eventually he turned that cream into butter and crawled out. Gentlemen, as of this moment, I am that second mouse. It's amazing. He's talking about motorcycle insurance. Now let's start the show. Step back on the cold. Problems. Mm. Tell us the fuck. Ladies and gentlemen, the CO double MON synonym for fresh truth is the emblem. Yeah. Our teams <laughs> just <coughs> decided to implode. I don't know what's worse. That guy blowing out his leg. Like a day after he looked good in practice, or Brian Robinson getting held up and shot in the gun. What about what, what guy blew out his leg? Uh, was it Colin Johnson? Oh, his Achilles, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, fucking Jesus, he's been good all off season. They got and, him off the scrap heap from Jacksonville last year, and, and and it was the day after the fucking day after you said this guy's going to be good. He yeah. had he had a preseason. That's game. That's a cute jinx for us. Well, he had a preseason. <laughs> he had like 115 yards in a preseason game, and like the beat the beat writers were like, he's been fucking dominating. They were talking about trading Kenny Galladay because he kind of plays the same way. Mm-hmm. Because they they can but try like and recoup some money, yeah, exactly. Except he actually catches the ball, and then like literally, there I, I got an alert and it said Colin Johnson down at practice, and it, like it looks bad. And they show the video clip, and it's just Kenny Dalladay stepping on his foot, <laughs> fucking stomping him. <laughs> like ah, uh-uh. Colin it's... Johnson is standing on the is like sitting by the bleachers, and Galladay's just got a knife, just cutting his Achilles tendon. From Kenny, Kenny Galladay call Kenny Galladay calls Tanya Harding's boyfriend. He's like, I need I got another. He's like, I got another I got a job. job. For you. Hey, I, got a, I need a, I need a favor. How quick does he get to Albany? <laughs> he's sitting there smoking a cigarette. He's like, I swore I'd never do it again. I told uh-huh. you, I'm out. I'm out of the game. Uh-huh. Well, let's go, Giants, baby. All right, let's go. <laughs> Dude, any any semblance of hope I had for this team went out the window when Tyrod Taylor got injured. He's okay. He's okay? okay. Yeah. I don't. By I don't the way, know. fucking Davis Webb has like been smoking everybody in the preseason. Who would have fucking thought? <clears throat> this guy fucking gets drafted by the Giants a couple years ago, bounces around, Jets, Bills, comes back, and he looks like looks like he could be the number one. You know, everywhere. I I do. Have to say though, the journeymen in the NFL at the quarterback position, I do wonder if there is a single advantage that they get is that because they bounce around so much, they get to work underneath a lot of different um, quarterback coaches, and they get to pick up a little bit of knowledge from each one of them that He's, prolongs he, and increases their skills. He also comes at a benefit because he was in Buffalo last year with Table, so he knows the system a lot better than any other other guys so yeah i would add too that a lot of these guys that are are able to kick around the league for a long time they just know how to survive the preseason yeah um i mean they they, they know how to make the easy passes and shit but when you get them to start like case keenum with washington a couple years ago like uh (laughs) you're like uh he he ain't it man yeah. Yeah, and also like the funny thing about Davis Webb, I had mentioned this before that like he literally Buffalo offered him a coaching spot because they were like, "You're not 
an NFL quarterback, but like we like to keep you around. Yeah. And he was, and the Giants, you know, obviously Dable coming over here trying to implement a system. It's good to have a guy who's been through it. They offered him a roster spot. So he basically decided, like, you can always go back to coaching at another time. So he wanted to play more. So, and it actually, good, pretty good, pretty good gamble so far. I mean, come, who are you going to play? Who's more, who, who are you more likely to play? Uh, after fucking Daniel Jones or or fucking Jared Allen, you know what I mean? Josh Allen. Josh Allen. Why did I fucking oh. do that? Josh um, Allen. Who Jared more likely? Great pass yeah. rusher. I was gonna say, I was like, something's not right about this. What's going on in my brain? No, but I mean, I'm like, having a mini stroke. Yeah, like it's no, cool. I mean, Davis Webb knows. I think he knows who he is. That's like kind of a good quality about him. He's like, he think I think he knows. Like he's not gonna be. He's no slouch, man. Like you know, I remember him coming out. You know, we talked about this last week. He was. uh he was, you know, he was great in Cal that last year, and and then he threw like forty-seven touchdowns that year. And yeah, that was the was last at, year of Jeff Tedford there, I think. Yeah, I remember Jed Tedford. Jared Goff was just there the year before. He goes number one overall, and he was at Texas Tech before he they he had taken the he had taken the job from Baker at Texas Tech. Tech, and he goes to Oklahoma, and then Davis Webb loses the job to Patrick Mahomes. Mm-hmm. So. The rise of Faker Mayfield. Faker Mayfield. I think he listen. Getting Lavisca Chenault today is sneaky fucking good move by the Panthers. I, I also watched him in that preseason game because it was on at the bar I was at, and he looked solid. Like that he one had, throw, he fucking threaded that that deep ball that went into the end zone was mm-hmm. nice. Um, and it was nice to see him just being able to complete passes like that because I feel like last year it was so hit or miss for him. He also had like a really a shoulder. bad shoulder issue. Yeah. So, and I don't care if it's his throwing shoulder or his non throwing shoulder. I don't remember which one it is. Like the whole motion, like if your non throwing shoulder isn't good, it throws off your whole rhythm. So, mm-hmm. wasn't uh, that the case with Ben Roethlisberger too? Mm-hmm. He took that year off and he came yeah. back and he was fucking slinging dimes. Like people forget, like two years ago, everyone like was wondering how much the Browns were going to have to pay Mayfield because he was playing so well. They went to the playoffs, and next thing you know, he's fucking garbage, and they're throwing him to the curb and Deshaun Watson. So I, I, I still think that's going to end up being a huge mistake on their part. So yeah, that's just everything they do. I it's good for him that the fact that he's not there because I think also the pressure factor. There's a lot less of an expectation for him in Carolina. There's none. Even even though they're like they're not too far off from where the, the Browns are in a I lot think, of ways. I think because of like everyone kind of expected Matt Rule to get fired this year and they didn't fire him. Everyone's kind of like, who cares about this season? Like we're gonna suck. We're gonna be terrible. Matt Rule's gonna get fired at the end of the year. So like for Baker, if he goes out there and wins eight or nine games, like he's a god. He's gone God mode. What do you say as Carolina's own Tom Daroma? Yeah, as a I man mean, a man on the scene. Yeah. I mean, considering what it was last year and what it's been the last couple of years, Carolina at large has been a mess. Um, and honestly, they've been kind of blah for the last like five or six years. Um, so. Really, I was, since Cam Newton won MVP. Yeah. That whole next year, he was terrible, so. Yeah, I was gonna say I was I was at a bar watching that game, and there were Panthers fans that were excited for 
Baker because they felt like this guy is able to move the ball around in ways that Darnold was not and the way that Cam Newton effectively would take over games in the wrong way um, because he would just he would have to do all of the heavy lifting on his side. I, th- I think that that's a very valid argument, actually, Tom. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I, I think we're I, – I say we, but I think people in Carolina are cautiously optimistic, but there's also the, – the NFC South is not terribly strong. Um, I was talking to a, a Carolina Panthers fan when I was at the bar, and he was like, honestly, Desmond Ritter in Atlanta looks really fucking good. Yeah, it does. You know, there's a uh, Bill Parcells has like a list of qualifications for a franchise quarterback, and it's like it's really outdated, but like people still kind of refer to it. And they looked at this class, the only person that met the requirements was Desmond Ritter. So I think it's like it has to have like a winning record, has to have at least a two to one ratio, um, has to have started on touchdowns and interceptions, has to have had started at least three years, and like. Their belly button has to be an Audi, not an. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, really fucking. But it's really archaic. But like, Ritter, Ritter. I mean, he he looked pretty. I mean, for taking a fucking basketball school to the playoffs last year in college. I mean, have to be somewhat good. So. Yeah, and they've. I mean, they were a solid team. You could see. You saw a number of guys from Cincinnati get drafted this year. So. Sauce Gardner uh, was the fourth pick in the draft. Right. Sauce. what type of sauce do you think sauce is made of? I mean, if you if you think about it's it, a bolognese. Like, it's, a, it's a heavy, it's a very meaty bolognese. It's a bolognese. <laughs> it, if you think about it, though, um, you know, Carolina is kind of a toss up. It can be a it can be a sneaky like nine and eight team, or it can be a six and eleven team. Um, I think I think Atlanta is going to roll with Mariota though, because yeah, at least for now. When was the last time he played a full season, though? Uh, yeah, I mean, but the last time he did, he was with um, the offensive coordinator who what, I can't remember the guy's name. But he's the coach of the Falcons now. So true, Arthur Jones, I think. Um, something like that. Arthur Smith. That's who Arthur it is. Smith. I knew it was Arthur. Yeah, um, but I mean, I don't think Tom Brady's terribly interested anymore in playing football. He's just here for the money. That was fucking weird, man. I what? I don't know what's going on there, but he looks like. He looks – I don't know if he's had plastic surgery or something, and no judgment if he has, but, like, he looks – No, no, no. Judgment if he has. <laughs> you judgment look at, if he fucking has. Yeah, but he looks look, fucking weird. It, it only takes one hit to rearrange any fucking facial feature that he has. <laughs> Someone look knocks him, that helmet sideways. <laughs> look at him in 2012 to now. Like, his face has a totally different, like, shape and form. I just thought it was because of all that, like, you know – sun in florida that uh it just i don't know like his I, like his cheeks like, are like sunken in now too like well, yeah, that's what weird. happens when you treat yourself to avocado ice cream <laughs> fucking hey um but yeah he and then weird. just eat a fucking strawberry every so often it won't kill you panthers falcons buccaneers who's saints. the fourth saints yeah they're booty Mm, I I don't know. Dennis I don't know. Allen. I I know, I know, but their defense is legit. Um their defense has been pretty legit for the last few years. I and look, Jameis Winston was pretty decent when he was healthy last year, 
Kamara, Michael Thomas is back now. Chris Olave, the first round pick, who looks pretty legit. Offensive lines above average. I, I, and Mark Ingram's back too. So I think like, I think they can be competitive. If there was a team that I would say is smoke and mirrors, though, it would be the Saints, because I don't. They're not in a terribly hard division. They've done this in the past too. They've had great records, and and not been able to finish out or complete like the Cowboys would do or something like that too. Um, at what was it two years ago? They didn't they have like the best record, and they fucking fizzled out first round. Was it two years ago? Three years ago? Yeah, yeah. No, they're they're. I, I'm not expecting them to win the and, Super Bowl, but and and I think Sean Payton wouldn't have left if he thought that team was going somewhere. He, I think he left mainly because they did not have a high enough pick to get a franchise quarterback in a bad quarterback class, or what at least was perceived to be a bad quarterback class. Doesn't look like a bad quarterback class now. I mean, um, and then like they were, their cap situation is like they're like sixty million over every single year. Yeah, but Sean Payton strikes me as a man who's very megalomaniac ish. So I think so. <laughs> I think I think he wants I think I think he wanted to coach the Cowboys and they didn't fire fucking Mike McCarfuck over there and uh so I think he's waiting that out. Is do they have good reason to in 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 reality to fire to to fire him? I mean, I just <sighs> listen he 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 basically lied. Like I don't know if you guys remember Mike McCarthy after he got fired in Green Bay. A lot of people were pointing fingers back and forth of who was at fault. Was it Rodgers? Was it him? And I think the consensus was like everyone kind of felt like they both had problems and like they couldn't work together anymore. And McCarthy did this whole ESPN thing where he's like in a like his basement with coaches going over analytics. <laughs> And like everyone was like, the biggest criticism of McCarthy was he was too archaic. Like, didn't embrace analytics, didn't embrace like the new school football. And then he basically admitted last year that like, yeah, no, I'm not really paying attention to it. Is, is so he an he, asshole? He is, is he an asshole? Or is his like PR team like the assholes for making him do that, even though it probably wasn't him? Like, wasn't I think he style? did it because he wanted to calm fears of people who wanted to hire him i get that like like you're a great coach you won a super bowl but like you left you left a lot of meat on the bone there in green bay like how did how does aaron Rodgers only have one fucking super bowl like it just doesn't make sense maybe because he's overrated one of the i mean i'd still he's an asshole no doubt but like probably the most physically gifted quarterback i've ever seen play the game so yeah he he won an mvp like a year ago so Last year, to back to back, back to back. Yeah. <laughs> still lost in the playoffs, though. Got yeah. got fucking destroyed. Yeah, and it's like that's why I love that big cat video of him in interviewing Rogers. He's like, I sat in the car for three hours just listening to fucking Wisconsin radio, <laughs> just destroying Rogers. I mean, that's another team that could be potentially smoke and mirrors too. Packers, yeah. Yeah, I mean they're they're they are what they are, but um, it all plays out in two weeks, baby. Yeah. Speaking of, do we want to do our Super Bowl predictions? Yes. So, um, 
For those who've been listening for the last 16 minutes, welcome to the Second Mouse Podcast. Um, imagine this is like a bar you just walked into and everybody here is shit-faced arguing about football. So you went to the Village Idiot in Patchogue. Congrats. I'm always drunk, so. Oh, lovely. No, his, so, his body literally creates fucking alcohol in his digestive tract. It's again, my, my body produces uh, alcohol into riboflavin. So yeah, okay. don't shame him for this. Yeah, seriously. Noted. I'm gonna, I'm gonna cancel don't, you, Tom. Stop. Don't you, shame. I'm gonna him fucking cancel you, Tom. You fucking won't. Just remember, he's always impaired when he's behind the wheel, and he's always <laughs> behind the wheel. <laughs> oh, that's that's good to know. Then. So what we're gonna do now, um, if um, if Q can stand. Is we are going to go through our Super Bowl and MVP picks. So each one of us has to select who we think our MVP of this NFL season is going to be, and then who the two teams we believe are going to be playing in the Super Bowl at the end of the year. So which one of you nerds wants to go first? I figure we start with the MVPs, and then we can – Go through those and then go through the Super Bowls. Sure. Let it so, ride. Gatto, let, let it ride, bro. All right. My MVP is going to be Justin Herbert is going to fucking sling that fucking football up and down the fucking field. He's going to find every open receiver. The only question is, will they catch it or not? Because he's going to do a fucking tremendous job. That's all I got to say about it. I think we all know. The evidence is there. He's the fucking man. For context, Gatto, uh, last year, 5,000 passing yards, 38 touchdowns, 15 picks. Uh, I think he's going to be around that again. I'm going to give him another five to ten t- uh, touchdown throws. I don't think so he'll be like around 47 is what you're saying. That's the okay. maths. That's the math. I think it's going to depend on the health of Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, but I think it's it's very, very attainable. And I think from a rushing perspective, he only had three rushing touchdowns last year. I think those can go up too. Yeah, I, I, I like uh, Justin Herbert a lot, um, and I uh, definitely think he's poised for a big year, but it's Josh Allen. It's, <laughs> it, it's, it's, it is it's it is 1,000% Josh Allen this year. Um, 36 touchdowns, 15 picks last year. Both throw a lot of interceptions, but like ultimately it doesn't really matter. Six rushing touchdowns for last year for Josh Allen. Um, the, the, game, the, the entire team runs through him. Mm-hmm. It's just how it is. The, that they don't really run the ball a lot. I like Devin Singletary. I like James Cook, but they're just not number one, almost dead last in running back targets um, last year. So they don't really even throw the ball at the running backs a lot. So and when you get into the red zone, they don't really hand it to Singletary. They they have Josh Allen run it in. So for me, it's going to be a high volume offense. Ken Dorsey taking over for Brian Dable, who left for the Giants. I think they're going to probably lean more into vertical passing game um, even more. This is going to be like Stafford with, with the Lions in the last few years with uh, Jim Bob Cooter as offensive coordinator. Like they're just going to, they're just going, shout out to Jim Bob Cooter. Um, they're just going to really lean into that passing game. So I, I would not be shocked if he's over 5,000 yards. Would not be shocked if he's over 45 passing touchdowns and close to 10 rushing touchdowns too. So I think this is the year for him. But, my only hesitation with Allen is because he can also be prone to another game that he had last year where they're not able to throw the ball. Listen, you saw it last year with Patrick Mahomes, right? They started mm-hmm. playing more cover two concepts, playing safeties over the top, not letting Tyreek Hill gun in, 
Well, I'm not even saying that. Like Mm -hmm. that game where the weather limited their his ability to throw. That game against the Patriots where him and uh, what's his face Mac Jones only had like ten total attempts between them. Yeah, I mean, I I think that's always a concern. But I think on it, like if you're talking about like one game out of seventeen. The rest of the games, he's fucking money. So I, I, I know it's kind of like it is. It is a really like a like nose finish. It's like a horse race. Mm-hmm. Um, I just like with Rogers. Like Rogers won the last two, and I know like everyone is kind of predicting doom for him this year with no Devonte Adams. I don't think that's going to be the case. I think yeah. Lazard will step up. The Romeo Dobbs kid, uh, the undrafted kid, I like him a lot, but. I don't think he's going to have the best season ever, but I don't think he's going to fall off a cliff. But, like, Brady Brady looks distracted. Something's going on with him. I don't know what it is. It might be a family matter or something. I know his dad was, like, sick a couple of years – or his mom was sick a couple of years ago. I'm hoping that's not the case. Um, but, like, it's weird for him to just take a month off from – so either he's going to come back honed in or he's going to be off all year because he's, like, not focused. So – I think I think it's between Herbert and Allen, but I just with the rushing upside of Allen, I just I, I think it's him. It's it's funny because my initial feeling was Josh Allen, but I yeah. went with Herbert just because of the division he's in has. Um, I, I feel like it's more offensively uh, focused, right? Like it's going to be offensive games where there's good chances that. Bills will be having the the Bills will be playing defensive games, and that's the only reason I give him the edge is because statistically he will be um, someone who. The only reason I also pull away from Justin Herbert, like because again it was for me it was very close between those two. The only reason I and one of the main reasons why I did is you look at that division that Justin Herbert's in, stacked ass division to where Josh Allen's got two games against the Jets, two games against Dolphins have actually a pretty good defense. Um, and the Patriots, who have a pretty good defense, but like it's nowhere compared to what like they're going to go through in Kansas City or yeah. Patriots might sneakily have the best defense this year. We they're might gonna them have sneakily it. have one of the worst offenses too because that that's just... the problem. They might still yeah. have a middle. You have type. two homeless people running the offense right now. <laughs> Very desperate though. That does make them desperate to prove it's themselves. True. That's true. I do want to point out though that the AFC West is you could potentially have four MVP candidates in that division alone. It's good. It is the most stacked division. I mean, with, with Russell going to Denver now, I mean, you have, I think four out of the, maybe the top 10 quarterbacks are like every team has a top 10 quarterback. So yeah. It's going to be a tough fight. So I'm curious about that. I'm also interested to see how Lamar bounces back in a contract year too. Um, but so who's I, your? Oh, sorry, Tom. I think I'm going to go Patrick Mahomes, and I think that I feel good about him because he still has Travis Kelsey there. There are some weapons that they were able to pick up that I think will be beneficial to Patrick. I love Scott Moore. And the other thing too that. I don't have any data to necessarily back this up or like quantifiable evidence to show that it's true. But very often I feel like anytime I hear there's a quarterback that's lost their number one target, the quarterback does, does pretty well after that. Um, And the reason why I say that is because Tyreek Hill 
as dynamic a player as he is, he still demands a lot of Patrick Mahomes to throw to him. Even if he's not open, he's saying, like, why don't I have the ball in my hands? This allows Patrick to be a little less telegraphy when it's coming to throws because he doesn't have to look solely for Tyreek Hill. He can go to um, Travis Kelsey, Hardman, who's out there, and they have a bunch of other pieces too. Like, And I I think this will be like the year of reckoning for all the people who said that Eric Bieniemy should not have a job. I think you know another year of not getting a head coaching job but goons being able to get those jobs. Like how the fuck does Lovey Smith have a job? Um, I think that was, I think we had talked about this. They were going to hire Josh McCowan and yes. then the whole. Um, yeah. Brian the Forrest. Dolphins. Yeah. The yeah. Dolphins. Forrest, uh, yeah. Brian Forrest. Yeah. Brian Forrest. But I think this is an Andy Reed here to show everyone that he doesn't need that one player to be successful. It's also Eric Bieniemy showing everybody like, Hey, I'm going to keep doing this shit. And it's Patrick Mahomes saying like, I wasn't a byproduct of how good Tyreek Hill was. I think I think you make a good point about that losing that number one target, and I think a lot of the times he was like throwing deep passes to Tyreek, which is not exactly a high, like a necessarily like a high percentage play, you right. know. But high like, efficiency. yeah, it's, but Hill was so good that he was able to get open. So it now would like so mainly he's gonna have Juju uh, Smith Schuster. He's going to have uh, Sky Moore and a couple other guys like that. More efficient, like, route runners. So might might have a better overall percentage and all that. So, like, the big plays may not be as plentiful, but, like, I think he could end up having a really good year. Yeah. Uh, he's – I think, Tom, you had mentioned, like, you know, quarterbacks tend to have this, like, bounce-back season when they lose their top receiver. And I wonder if that's just, like, there's the pressures kind of off for them to succeed. I'd agree because- with that. I think that's yeah, fair. You know, like they have an excuse now if they don't, and therefore that pressure is relieved. But he's also solved one of his other problems. Did you guys see the Tyree Kill video of someone asking him would he rather not win a Super Bowl ever again or be handcuffed to Jackson Mahomes? I heard that, yeah. That was yeah. Funny. <laughs> and he, he chose to never win a Super Bowl ever again. <laughs> <laughs> so Patrick Mahomes is my pick. I do want to interject though, because we just had an idea. Let's also do comeback players of the year as well. And I, and I think yeah. of all of the, all of the leagues, the NFL has probably the best comeback players. Cause these guys get hurt all the fucking time. So I'd also like to do bold prediction as well. Cause I have okay. a good one. We can do one. juicy. We can do juicy shit. I have, I have a really good one. So okay, so let's let's go back to the beginning. Um, Gatto, who is your comeback player of the year? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I I one one could say that if like Jameson Winston was to come back and have a season and be the guy that no one has in this in these conversations right now, Famous he would have Davis? to be he would have to be that comeback player of the year, right? Okay. Um, but the problem is he's never I, like besides like having those few crazy years with the Bucks, like he's never really had a year to have a comeback from. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I, I don't think they really like. I, I see what you're saying. I, I don't think the NFL quantifies like because they were talking about Daniel Jones being a comeback player of the year, and I'm like, what is he ever? What is he coming back from? Like just being never, bad, right? Yeah, and. And so, like, I, I wasn't really prepared for this, but I would say, like, Saquon actually is a good candidate for this. It's a really, it's a really good one. Cause Especially that quote that he had, too. Like, he's going to go fucking crazy. The, he says that every year, though. 
Um, <laughs> doesn't fucking phase me anymore. Yeah. He, he's but like the Giants' run blocking has been exceptional, even when they've had like the fourth string guy in. So, and they're gonna run that offense through him. So he, again, fantasy like I don't usually draft Giants players. I'm I'll draft Saquon this year. Yeah, and and I think other than that, maybe Derrick Henry might be might be the the, the favorite. He's the Vegas favorite right now. Yeah, yeah, but Michael Thomas actually seems like a more predictable one. Okay. But again. That's hinging on Jameis Winston. So that's where that, that comes in as my pick. By the way, Saints, Pete Carmichael has been there since 2009 running the offense. Offense coordinator is still there. So, I, you know. Yeah. he He's a Sean Payton influence guy. So I don't expect the offense to just drop off cliff. But yeah. it's a good pick. I'm going to go with Lamar Jackson. Like, I mean, <laughs> it's just, yeah, come on. This is, I know the Derek. I know Derek. I know. I know Derrick Henry is like the, the the Vegas favorite, but like, don't ever bet against a, a, an elite quarterback in a contract year. He wants his money. He's going to get paid. And ultimately, like the Ravens between, you know, Rashad Bateman taking a next step, J.K. Dobbins coming back from the ACL, Ronnie Stanley. Comeback player right. In, in J.K. Dobbins right there. Ron, Ronnie Stanley coming back um, after the last two years been basically on injured reserve. He's like an elite left tackle. I love love Mark Andrews. Mark Andrews won me a championship last year in fantasy, so I am forever uh, in his debt. So as far as I'm concerned, the offense is going to be great. So I, I think the biggest thing I'm concerned about is the Ravens' defense, but I think I still think that they're going to probably win the AFC North. Um, so yeah, I'm going with uh, I'm going with Lamar Jackson. I think he has a big year. Mm. So Tom, it, it feels like uh, you can pick. Or, we don't we don't have yeah. to. You can pick. It's just a great. It's called diversity of thought. Right. It's called diversity of thought. I know we um, are trying to make a podcast, not a fucking thing. I have that. one that's going to be a little outside of the lines. I know we're going to do bull predictions as well, but I really feel like Justin Fields had a rough go of it last year. And I think it was probably because of the coaching staff and there were some other, other, there were some other issues there as well, but I feel like he won't, I don't know if he'll be like a clear cut comeback player of the year to the same extent the two guys that you mentioned were, but I do think he will have a better year. I think he will show Chicago that there is something that they really need to build a team around. And I know that they hired a defensive minded coach, but they, need to provide him with those weapons. And I think this is the year that he shows that he'll be able to figure it out. Like he might not be as fast as Lamar Jackson, but he'll be able to play around enough where he can move, where he can get to where he needs to go and move the ball around with his legs or with his arm. People writing him off way too fast. So stupid. Like way too fast. And you know who it is? It's fucking bears fans and Mm -hmm. they're expecting and I feel like this happens in a number of sports, but football in particular, but mostly with college sports, mostly with college football, where people have these warped perceptions of how good their teams have been. Like Texas A&M fans, like think that they've won like 25 national championships. Like, yes, suck dick. Like you're not good. Like, and bears fans are the same where they're like, Oh man, we just need to get like back to where we were in the nineties. Like with what? Like, you had Caleb Haney, like you had Rex Grossman. It's it's like they're uh... sexy Rexy man. Don't talk about Rex Grossman that way. 
This was, a Jake, this was a Jay Cutler team where you all hated him for like four years. Like, Kyle, Kyle Orton. I remember Kyle Orton was pretty serious for a couple of years. He was a good quarterback. And they benched him for Rex Grossman. I know. It never made any sense to me. They're living the time machine, man. That's that's exactly what it is, you know. The thing is, though, is there is like only one year they can go back in the fucking time machine, and that's 1985. <laughs> like if you look at the Bears throughout the rest of it, they have just not been a good team. I and by the way, I'm I'm with you 100. percent I think well, they did play in a Super Bowl against uh, the Colts, right? Yeah, and they lost. They looked yeah. terrible. Um, yep. I'm gonna uh, Levy Smith, head coach at that time. By the way, um, yeah. I think I think. Justin Fields is going to take a huge step, but I think the Bears are going to be dog shit. Like they're going to oh, be, gonna be maybe the worst team in the NFL. And um, but I, I think he's going to, I think he's going to have a good year. Like I, everyone like bugs on Ohio State quarterbacks, and like I don't know, I, I I don't get it because like most schools don't have successful quarterbacks, and like like Texas Tech didn't have a successful quarterback until Patrick Mahomes came out. Like they had yeah. fucking Graham Harrell and like you know fucking Brian Brom or else Louisville, not uh, but like you know everyone's but like I think people look to the Urban Meyer years and they're like they look at the shitty quarterbacks that came out of Ohio State and they're like just asserting that like and then Dwayne Haskins they were like oh see Dwayne Haskins failed so we're right Justin Fields was like the number one of the top recruits coming out of high school that year. Yeah, and he transferred to from Georgia to yeah. Ohio State too. Yeah, and Georgia has a good fucking usually does a great job drafting, uh, you know, scouting quarterbacks. So, um, yeah, people just wrote Justin Fields off real quick. I actually was kind of I was talking with one of my buddies who's a Giants fan, and I was hoping that at the end of the year, if the Bears are bad enough, and like if he gets soured on it enough, that the Giants can make a move for him and maybe get just get Justin Fields. So like. I, it's, I, I find the Justin Fields slander to be a little bit ridiculous. Yeah. And, I, and I'm looking at right now, I am looking at like all of the starting quarterbacks for this year, at least like the NFL rankings. Tom Brady's from Michigan. That was 23 years ago. Aaron Rodgers is from Cal, mm-hmm. former like junior college guy who went to Cal. Yep. Josh Allen's from Wyoming. Justin yep. Herbert's from Oregon. Stafford, mm-hmm. Georgia. That was how, 13 how, years ago. How many, how many failures came out of Oregon? Joey Harrington, Achilles Smith. You know, like none Would of you these put guys. Marcus Mariota in there too? Yeah. I second yeah. overall pick who's like been a backup for the last few years. I mean, like he's not like number two overall pick. You expect like still starting in the league and like pretty proficient, maybe a pro bowl or two. I, I thought he was fine in Tennessee. He just wasn't great. But, yeah, none of those Oregon quarterbacks worked out until fucking – I mean, Achilles Smith is one of the biggest busts of all time. Oh, yeah. Joey, Joey Harrington, who I actually really liked coming out, you know, he never did anything. So it's like all these like all these schools have busts. Everyone just dunks on – I'm not an Ohio State guy. Like, I prefer Michigan over Ohio State. But, like, everyone just dunks on the quarterbacks from there. It just doesn't make any sense. Like, this year they have fucking um, – CJ Stroud. Yeah. So you got CJ Stroud going into this year, and like I think he's going to be the number one pick next year. I would agree. And everyone's going to fucking say like, "Oh, you don't draft Ohio State quarterbacks; they suck." And it's like, all right, wait until they don't suck, and then you're, you're going to miss out on a really good quarterback because you're biased towards schools. It doesn't make yeah. Sense. I mean, you have a Boston College quarterback who's played 14 years in the league, and there's only one Alabama court, or there's well. Technically, there's two Alabama quarterbacks. Mac, Mac Jones and um, uh, Jalen Hurts, but he didn't finish um, there. 
I mean, you have a pretty like widespread of quarterbacks. There's not like, there's not a school that is like churning out monsters every year. And o- I Oklahoma think- is the closest thing because they have Kyler Baker and Jalen Hurts technically because he played there the last year. So, and that was because of uh, what's his fucking name who went to USC? Lincoln Riley. Lincoln Riley. So, and I expect that USC they they had that kid from Oklahoma transferred there. So. I have no doubt that they're going to start turning guys out. But, like, I think you can start questioning, like, is Jalen Hurts an elite quarterback? Baker? Kyler, you know? Yeah. I mean, just because they put up numbers doesn't mean they're good because ultimately we've learned that the way that the rules are in the NFL is that you can be a mediocre quarterback and still throw 25 touchdowns. I mean, even, like, the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Like, you know, you said Tom Brady, Michigan. Like, Michigan's not churning out guys. Tennessee for Peyton Manning. Eli Manning was an Ole Miss guy. You know, Phil Rivers, NC State. You know, Russell Wilson went to Wisconsin. Yeah. Well, he went to NC State first. And he, then went he to was, Wisconsin. yeah, he was Wolfpack originally. Yeah. But all that to be said, like, there is, there is not like a clear defining institution that's like churning these people out. It's, it's pretty spread. And there's like, you know, you have a Wyoming, a North Dakota State in there. You have somebody who went to Old Dominion. Trey um, Lance, by the way, too, also going to be North Dakota State. We're going to have two North Dakota State quarter, starting quarterbacks. Yeah. Um, you got a Louisville in there. That's you got two. Lamar. You got two of them actually. Lamar and um, Teddy Bridgewater. Oh well, okay, yeah, he's back up in Miami. But then you also have like a Northern Illinois in there too with Jimmy G. But all that to be said, like, don't want to get too far afield on this, but like, I think everyone assumes that their school brings out the best quarterbacks, and when in reality, it's very much like when you boil down NFL scouting, it's a fucking crapshoot. It is a total crapshoot, and you get lucky sometimes. Yep. So let's move on to those bold predictions. Um, I want to go reverse order this time, but instead of me, I'm going to go you, Q. Yeah, I got a, I got a burning one because um, they got a we, cream for that these days. <laughs> <laughs> we've we've talked a lot about Tua Tagovailoa, and uh, he's played pretty well this in the preseason. There was that 50 yard bomb to uh, Tyree Kill. But I'm going to predict that he will not be the starting quarterback by the end of the year. Skylar Thompson, uh, he was a seventh-round draft pick this past season. Juicy. Yeah, out of Kansas State. He's already 25, so he's a bit older. Um, He was a Juco kid. I don't know if you've seen this kid in the preseason, but he's been fucking lighting it up. And I just have a sneaking suspicion that he's kind of a perfect fit from what Mike McDaniel wants to do. And I know he's gonna he's gonna start the season as um, the third string behind Tua and uh, Teddy Bridgewater. But aside from Tua, like maybe not, maybe it's not gonna be due to poor play, but maybe it's just gonna be injuries. Um, I don't see Tua having the season that some people are expecting him to have. So I think Skylar Thompson ends up winning that job. Um, so I don't believe think- that's going to happen because no quarterback has the number 19 and is successful. <laughs> I don't think that's going to be his official number one. Things are all set. I on. fucking hope not. I hate the way that looks. Yeah. I don't, number one, I want to point out that, like, number one, no quarterback should have single digits unless it's the number one. Like, I look at Daniel Jones wearing eight and I'm like, it looks like shit. Wear like 10, 12, 14, but like, I don't know, no, man. nothing, nothing past like fifteen. 
there are there are a handful of numbers that look really good on a jersey. Two, five, seven. He wore seven ten. in college, so I could see if 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 he ends up making the roster, which I think is a, it's a virtual lock at this point. So just for context, uh, this preseason he threw at a seventy-five percent completion rate. He threw four hundred and fifty passing yards, five touchdowns, no interceptions, and he threw at nine point three yards per. I, I'm confused. What? I thought we were doing Super Bowl picks. Yeah, this is just a bold prediction. Um, oh. Because I was going to be like, you're on some serious. No, no I'm, like, not, I'm not the picking the fuck Dolphins. You are on whatever. I'm not your picking the Dolphins. Is, That's is called there. a rabbit hole. <laughs> Listen, do I do I ask the Boar's Head representative to spike it with LSD? Yes. Am I on it right now? Also, yes. Mind your own business. <laughs> <laughs> do I know where I'm going with this because I'm super high right now? No. <laughs> Okay, so Skylar Thompson is going to end the year for the Dolphins as their starting quarterback. I think so, yeah. Okay. That's some spicy shit. So, Gatto, I hope you can um, one-up that with something that is more of a hot take outside of the fact aliens coming onto the field and probing Tom Brady and then leaving. So I'm going to double whammy this one because – You got to pay for that shit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Usually, you pay ask, extra. Can't afford it. Um, and someone's gonna ring me over the coals if it doesn't fucking happen. But a lot of times in the NFL, you see like these great plans come together and they never pan out. More times that than not. But no one's really having this conversation, and I'm frankly shocked that they're not. And that's that. I truly do believe that Russell Wilson moving to Denver is going to yield some big dividends. And I actually do think that if this team performs like no one's expecting, not only will we all be eating crow for making all the predictions we have, but we could be looking at a potential Super Bowl win because stranger things have happened and no one expects a plan to go according to plan. At least I, in the NFL. I do think that the Broncos are being a bit undervalued at this point uh, because no one is talking about them as like a potential like Super Bowl team and like him as an MVP. But I've, you know, I went, we went over this the last time. I'm a big fan of the coach there. So, yeah, no, I mean, I think, I think Russell's not getting the, I think because like last year was just so bad for them. It was just, he, he was so bad on the Seahawks. It just like I think everyone kind of wrote him off. So, yeah, potentially, he is Mister Unlimited. So, yeah, man, if he can cook, let Russ cook. Let Russ cook. <laughs> let's ride. <laughs> Broncos country. Let's ride. Let's Broncos country. Let's ride. Let's ride. I still do that all the time, as one should. Yeah. Um. Okay. I have a bull prediction here, and I'm wondering if it is truly a spicy take. Baker Mayfield has a better year than Kyler Murray. Spicy. Ooh. And not out of the realm either. Yeah. Now, is that just going to be on stats, or is that going to be on, like, games one? Um. Probably based off of stats, I think it's going to be a wash when it comes to games. I think both those teams will probably finish with the same record. Um, but just given the amount of like 
shit press that Kyler Murray has gotten this year and just the way he's approached like his time with the Cardinals. Um, I think that he's going to struggle and I think Baker Mayfield's out to prove and just like show the Browns up and make them regret the fact that they traded to get Deshaun Watson, who's not going to play for 11 games or however long it is. And they shipped Baker Mayfield away effectively for free. I don't know. I think that there is a buzz around Baker Mayfield in the same way that there was a buzz around him when he came to the NFL and people were excited for it. I think just seeing some of the play schemes that they have now for the, for the Panthers, I'm, I'm going to be pleasantly surprised of how that looks. And I think there's another thing um, that people are kind of underselling right now in the fact that there is, there is like good pieces around Baker that he can really take advantage of. These guys are not huge names, but you do have a Christian McCaffrey there. Um, DJ but I mean, you, consistently a top consistently receiver. good, yeah. but they're also mm-hmm. not the, like the kinds of receivers that Jarvis Landry and OBJ were like demanding the ball all the time. And he had to like pick and choose between both of them. Robbie Anderson can take a top off of, of a defense. And uh, they, they drafted a kid last year. I can't remember his name at LSU that I really liked. Um, and then getting Chenault. And to where like yeah. Arizona lost Hopkins for what, six games? And now it's Marquise Brown is like their number one. Who's suspended. Yeah. No, and, and they did all that to appease Kyler. And the reality is that's something that I don't see ever working. Honestly, the Cardinals remind me of when the Jets be like picked up all those guys like Jason Taylor, um, Braylon Edwards, um, Plaxico Burris. That one year they tried to make that run with Mark Sanchez, and it just it nothing fit. That was the uncapped year, so they just like got everybody they could. Yeah, it just went out and spent on a bunch of old dudes, and it, nothing worked. And honestly, the comparison is probably the same because they went out and got TJ Watt, and as soon as he got there, he got fucking hurt. Yeah, yeah. TJ Watt got hurt yesterday, by the way. Oh, good. Not good, but still. Like, anywho. All right. Moving on. Super Bowl picks. Who we got? I can start. Go ahead. Well, you think, right? At this point, I've picked Josh Allen to be my MVP. I keep telling you how great he's going to be this year, so it's the Buffalo Bills, right? Mm-hmm. Fucking wrong. It's wrong. Ooh, yikes. It's going to be the Los Angeles Chargers in, in the AAC, mainly because of the additions that they made on defense. They got Khalil Mack, uh, the corner, I believe J.C. Jackson. They, they really loaded up. I mean, you are going to be talking about now a defense that your edge rushers are going to be Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack. That's some like Madden shit where you trade all your first round picks and end up just getting all the superstars on your team. They are loaded up on defense, and then you're talking about a offense where they got Austin Eckler coming out of the backfield. Um, Isaiah Spiller they drafted out of Texas A&M, I'm a big fan of, and then just adding, you know, you know, having Keenan Allen, having Mike Williams, and then having 
Um, a guy like Josh Palmer, who might end up becoming a really good number three receiver. He's, I think the Chargers are just poised. And if they can make it out of the AFC West, which is mur- the murderer's row of the NFL, um, I think they're going to be poised for uh, a Super Bowl uh, visit. And on the other side, I'm not going to count out the Rams yet. I, I, It's kind of a boring pick, but ultimately I just – I just think that the Rams are just returning too many people to that team. Um, although I am interested to see how many games Aaron Donald's going to be suspended for basically swinging his helmet at another player. Uh, but I, I don't think it's ultimately going to really matter in the end. Mm-hmm. So, and, But I'm actually going to go with the Chargers to win the Super Bowl this year over the Rams. And nice. Question for you, though. Yeah. if they Because they didn't make the playoffs last year. If they don't make the playoffs for a second year, does um, – what's the name of their coach? Staley? Brandon Staley, yeah. Does he get fired? No, I don't think so. Um, he's he's going to have to be more judicious about some of his decisions, though, because there was a lot of conversations about him using analytics and, like, basically saying, like, the analytics told me to go for it here on fourth down in our own territory, and it just doesn't work. Yeah. So he's going to have to be a little bit more careful on how he does things. If if they suffer embarrassing losses because of shit like that, maybe. But otherwise, I I think with his year two for him, I I don't think they have. I think I think the expectation is that it's probably going to take another year or two for them. But I just see them overperforming this season. Hmm. Okay. Got it. What you got? So uh, you know you would think that. Uh me having Justin Herbert as my MVP that I would be leaning symmetry the Chargers <laughs> as well symmetry but uh <laughs> but despite all of the the great case that Q just made for the Chargers um as a safe bet I am fully pilled on the Buffalo Bills this year and I'll tell you why because at some point in that run for the Super Bowl, you're going to have the Bills playing the Chargers, if it comes down that way, right? And I only see the Bills having a better record, having home field advantage, and that cold would decimate the Chargers who play in warm temperatures throughout the year. For that reason... I think the the Buffalo Bills, man, they they could have won it last year. In in a lot of ways, it came down to just fucking luck. When you're playing at that high level, I mean, it literally like Josh Allen couldn't have done anything more. Like, what, what are you gonna fucking do in that game? You know what I mean? Like he he did everything he fucking possibly could, and it just the rules ended up doing him in. You know what one, I mean? One, one of the best games I've seen in a long time, though. It was an amazing game. A hundred percent. Yeah. Like last year, the, the playoffs were excellent. Some of the best playoffs in years, maybe a decade. Um, Fair enough. I, what about I, the other I, team? I, I think the AFC championship is going to be going. Yeah. All of them are going to come from the AFC West. <laughs> whoever's, whoever's coming in as, as third or fourth there from the fucking. Yeah, to be fair, I did have like Chargers versus Bills in the AFC championship game, so. Yeah. Hmm. So NFC, got him. It's not. There's not really a good. There's not really a good answer. I can't even really think of 
who I would want to say. They're all such. I I would unfortunately say Eagles are going to end up being who I think ends up winning, and and that's they're a dark horse for sure. Yeah, and that's why <laughs> I don't have any good substantial evidence for this. I just like the fucking NFC is just so meandering. I don't pay it any attention right now. Well, it's a matter of whether or not you think that the Rams are a threat to repeat, um, or if you think that the Bucks, you know, if, if Tom Brady's too distracted and, you know, something along those lines. And but, it's sad um, that it has to do that and not competition and, like, what an actual team is doing. It has to come down to, like, how are people feeling on the team? Like, the team's going to beat itself in, in these cases, right? Mm-hmm. And, and that's kind of why I hate having to go with them where I see a team like the Eagles who they're just – they want one. They're going to win one if with with the fucking mindset, you know, that they have in comparison to those mindsets. Grind set. Yeah, there you go. <sighs> okay, so got Bills. Bills and, and Eagles. Bills and Bills Eagles, and okay. Eagles. Bills and Eagles. So – for mine, I think um, I'm going to start with the NFC. I think it's going to be the Rams are going to go back. And the reason why I have the Rams is solely because that division is not good. And it's an easy pathway for them to get in. Um, I will say, though, I think that NFC championship game is going to be Rams-Vikings. So um, it's funny you mentioned that because I was going to say the Vikings are one of those teams that I think people are not paying enough attention to. I know it's a first-year head coach, and those typically do not result in immediate success. But Kevin O'Connell, obviously, been with the Rams for the last few years. That influence of style is going to be there. And Kirk Cousins, I mean, people people shit on him. But, like, at the end of the day, he's still, at the end of the year, puts up, like, pretty decent stats every single yeah. year. So He's not losing them games. No. So, Jefferson, Thielen, Dalvin Cook, they have all the pieces there. So Yep. Um, and also that division is not great either in the sense that, you know, outside of the Packers, there's nobody else to really, you're not, you're not biting kneecaps with Dan Campbell, bro. Probably not. No. Um, I will say though, I'm a bit torn and maybe, um, given the conversations that we're having here, I'm torn three ways between the chargers, the bills and the Ravens to be in the Super Bowl teams. And honestly, I don't mean to cop out, but I like I could see Chargers, I can see Bills, but I for some reason I feel like last year was just not in the story arc of the Ravens and I think they're going to come out and smash skulls. 8 8 and 9 last year with Lamar missing basically half the season with yeah. Snoop, with Snoop Huntley, uh, I think is starting most of the game. So, so, and I don't know why I, I, I feel like Lamar Jackson is going to come in. It's a contract year for him. A lot of people doubted him. They questioned whether he was good enough to play in the league, which fucking blows my mind. I want to say Rams Ravens. I, listen, Ravens would not shock me. I, I told you again, Ronnie Stanley coming back healthy, if he can stay healthy this year, is about the biggest addition you can get. And then, you know, look, I, Rashad Bateman, and they got Demarcus Robinson from the Chiefs, who's been lighting it up. So, 
they they are a legitimate threat. And again, it's one of the most well-run teams, well-run organizations out there. So. They also have all of those fucking running backs that were hurt last year, now back and healthy. Yeah, they have um, their the running – yeah, J.K. Dobbins, who was hurt Gus, all of Gus last Edwards, year. Gus yeah. Edwards. Yep. I don't – like – those might be two stretch picks because they're not like the the sexy favorites that everybody has. But I think ultimately, like you only need to get on a run. Like, and we've seen plenty of times when it was a sixteen game league, teams would go fourteen and two and lose in the divisional round. Listen, I mean Lamar. Lamar's biggest issue for me, anyway, has been his playoff appearances. Like he he usually is even when in MVP season, he was not good in the playoffs. So. For him to slay that dragon in a contract year would be getting north of 250, 260 million. Yeah. So it's pretty big for him to be able to have that type of year. Joe Flacco, if you remember, that was the year, the year next year, he got that huge contract after he won the Super Bowl, arguably one of the best playoff runs I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Um, it was 2012, I believe. So yeah. it's not out of the realm that the Ravens could be there. And like the Bengals, I think we're going to have a little bit of a Super Bowl hangover, just a little bit. I think they'll be whatever is a 17-game season, 500. They'll be good. They're not going to be great. Steelers, I don't think anybody's buying Kenny Pickett or Mitch Trubisky to like – I'm not betting against Mike Tomlin. I already said don't do it. (laughs) But like I think he'll hit 500. And and then the Browns, 11 games, no Deshaun Watson. So – they're going to be pretty trash all year for the most part. So Yeah, it's funny that you didn't even mention Mason Rudolph, by the way, for the Steelers, and that's what people think. They're trying to trade him. Yeah, so. Love he's, that. He's going to go back up somebody else. Um, any thoughts from you guys on this past preseason set of games? Um, just real quick hits here because I want to move on to something else. Just hope Brian Robinson gets better. Yeah. Yeah, honestly – this off this past preseason, the one thing I would say is that it makes me think that they really shouldn't even have a fucking preseason. Guys are getting slaughtered out there. Jesus. Well, Brian Robinson got shot, and that didn't happen. Yeah, on yeah, the yeah, yeah. No, no. I, I know that was separate. I know that's totally separate, and I hope he makes a speedy recovery from that. It's fucking crazy that that shit happened to him. Um, the, the Giants are cursed. The Giants are for sure cursed, but I think across the board, just – you see a lot of guys just getting injured, and it's just a lot, a lot of guys getting injured. I've seen a lot of Achilles injuries too, to the point yeah. where I'm like, "Are these guys like? Is there something wrong with the fucking cleats that they're wearing? Like, what's going on here?" There, when it comes to the Giants, there's talk about the MetLife turf for the last few years, and John Mayer swears up and down that they've done in studies and they're almost identical from grass to turf, but. I don't know, it's man. A lot, <laughs> lot of the, lot of the players who have mentioned MetLife is a horrible place to play because of the turf. So, yeah, I mean, I'm in general though. I'm, I, I've seen a lot more. I maybe I'm just more conscious of it, but I've, I have not seen this many Achilles injuries in the league in a long time. Yeah, I would say you're right. I don't, I don't. I ACLs are pretty common, uh, but I, I, I don't see a ton of Achilles injuries. And, and this then, year we've know, been plagued with them. Yeah, last year too. Sterling Shepard had one, and so. Yeah, they're 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 all over the place, and that's why I'm like, maybe maybe this even the preseason's got to get cut short a little bit here. It's or something something's got to change with it. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I get I get the purpose of it because 
you don't want to have a season in which like you don't have one because then the first two three weeks of the season are like trash mm-hmm. because yeah. like you're you're playing you see guys that are not ready to like really to be hitting each other and so i you know i understand the purpose of a preseason and they make fucking money off of it which is like the reason they do it but uh you know for the long term i'm not sure yeah i'd agree i mean i i think of all the teams in the NFC East, I'm surprised that people are saying the Giants turf is the problem because Washington is notoriously like an ankle destroyer and a knee like buckler. I think it's yeah. turf in general. I think people are just like well, they use pull- they, they use grass, grass there. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um and it, it was it was they maintain it? No, because it's a Dan Snyder team. <laughs> um but it was like ranked as one of the worst fields to play on for years and years and years because they think it's a home field advantage that like that, you know, one false turn and you, you know, you're down two ligaments in your right knee. So, I mean, it's, it's, I think injuries are a part of the NFL, but unfortunately, like this seems very much just like, um, and I don't necessarily know how that we can solve it, but it just feels like the preseason is just, a way for guys to get hurt unnecessarily in games that don't matter. And then the byproduct of that is these guys don't play in these games and the games suck. And then we're right back to square one where, you know, everyone's not ready to hit in week one. So I think it's kind of like that vicious cycle where we don't necessarily have a solution to the problem because the problem is you either play and get hurt or, you don't and you're not ready. Yeah. And I think a part of that too, is that it's just like, it's football. You're going to get hurt. And that's the attitude that is taken too. Yes. I don't know. It's hard to solve. They need to, they need to get some analytics on that. All right, guys. So we're going to move on to another topic and we're going to take it in a different direction. We're going to get back into politics here from a different perspective. So, um, we have a knack at this show of recording the day before big fucking news hits. And last week we recorded and the following day, um, the white house releases their um, decision on what they're going to do with student loans. So unless you've been living under a rock or you don't have any student loans, um, the process that what it's going to look like moving forward is if you owe if you are, if you make less than one hundred and twenty-five thousand dollars a year, you can have ten thousand dollars of your student loans forgiven by the federal government. If you were a Pell Grant student when you were in college, you can get twenty thousand dollars forgiven by the federal government. And ultimately, if you are a household of two hundred fifty thousand dollars, this you qualify for all of this. So. Um, in many cases, this was a windfall for a number of people in the United States who have been effectively hamstrung by their student loans that they owe. But the the perspectives that have been given by a number of individuals in the media have been quite interesting to listen to in the sense that um, you have a vast number of Generation Z and millennial voters who are in support of it. But at the same time, you have a number of Gen Xers and boomers who are very anti-federal student loan forgiveness. So, guys, let's get into it. Give me your thoughts. It's a long time coming. I mean, at this point, we have to address the fact that 
the loans that were given out to newly 18 year olds are predatory and the ability for these banks to essentially sell off the debt to another bank and then they can just choose whatever interest rate they want is ridiculous. You get, you have, you see people who are in their forties um, still paying off the interest to these loans. Mm-hmm. And like, it is, you talk about it's crippling. So for some people, I mean, it can be anywhere from like $300 a month to $700 a month. In a in a society in a world that we basically force people into college to essentially get a high paying job, and then put them into a thirty thousand dollar a year starting salary, and they're paying five hundred dollars a month for student loans. Also, by the way, this this uh, affects you know all people around our age, so we're kind of like living in this you know this situation. Yep. And by the way, like for people who have been saying that like this is going to affect their taxes, it's not. This is this is loan money that's already been paid out. It's just essentially being wiped off the ledger. Um, there's really no reason to do it. I actually think they probably should have went further and just completely removed all of it. But but what we need to focus on going forward is why has there been such a drastic um, cost in college over the last twenty years? Because I read a study a while back. Um, I'd have to find it. We can maybe can post it into the uh, the notes of the show. That essentially, like, you used to be able to work like twenty hours a week at a minimum wage job in like the seventies to be able to afford college, and now it's it's impossible. You can't. And I recommend to people, like, I always recommend to young people to like go to community college first. Don't worry about the stigma of it. Get all your like general classes out of the way. But I mean, at the, at this point, there's really no reason to not provide a free free alternative. So that's just my thoughts. I you know, with this, you watch like you're just watching like the fucking internet implode on itself over this this shit. Um, I I look at this like this was this was an overdue kind of recogni- recognition that like. The government didn't do the right thing a long time ago. They just let this fucking get out of hand for a very long time. And they realized they were on the verge of default with it. Much like the housing crisis, which, guess what they did then? <laughs> they did. They offered similar programs of assistance for people that got caught in predatory loans. It is a continuous cycle, just a different thing that's being loaned. Right? Like, we've we go through this. And we don't actually blame the people, like the loan loan institutions, for fucking overcharging people, and the the universities for overcharging people, and the interest rates that are insane that they know are going to be barely on the margins that people can afford to pay back, and they just don't care, and they they sit there behind this veil of personal responsibility. They know damn well people can't advance. Um, without these things, right? We, you can't, you can't get a, get ahead. You can't become independently wealthy without a home, is what they say. You can't find a good, proper-paying job without an education. Like, so this is just the government saying, "Yeah, we fucked up, and we're not offsetting all of your debt. We're just taking a little piece away." But it's a little relief, and it's a lot of relief in a lot of ways. It really is probably going to just right the ship for a lot of people that owe thousands upon thousands of dollars, you know. So, yeah, I'll point out, like you make a good point, Gatto, that they're like they leverage this debt against you uh, to control you because, like Jim Banks, um, he is a GOP congressman from Indiana. 
basically was opining that this is going to hurt military recruitment, which, by the way, is an all-time low because they can't sucker kids in with free college and, like, you know, all those things anymore. So it's actually going to – it's going to hurt our military recruitment. Yeah, so you can't prey on poor kids anymore. Great. So I want to touch on one thing, um, and I've – I've seen this a lot from folks that are shifting the blame towards colleges and universities as they're, they're raised their tuition rates. And I'm going to speak specifically to public universities because ultimately they're the ones that receive government funding the most. And that I think co- higher education as an industry has a lot of issues with it, but they are byproducts of how the federal government has responded to funding higher education. And you look back into the 1970s where Ronald Reagan was the president, was the governor of California. And he said something to the effect of, if you want a, you know, a women's studies or an art history degree, the, 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 you should not have a free college to get that. And keep in mind the, the California system of higher education is like world renowned. Back then it was one of the most affordable ways to get access to education now it's one of the most expensive. The problem is, is from the 1980s onward, tuition has gone up because federal funding and state funding has gone down. You can, you can call it a couple of different things. And one of them is also to the requirements of states to have to pay more money for prisons, one, and benefits for retirees who are state employees has also hampered a lot of these um, state budgets, but also too, a number of states now utilize something called performance-based funding, which is effectively structural deficit, where if there is an institution that does not hit these metrics of student outcomes, they can lose funding over it. Is that similar to like the uh, No Child Left Behind Act kind of? It's, it's, it's similar in the fact that it does not actually work. And if and if you look at institutions that are minority serving institutions or Hispanic serving institutions or institutions that have and recruit students from lower incomes and from lower socioeconomic statuses, those learning outcomes are going to be very different from like a Harvard or a Yale or a Stanford or a Cornell or an elite public institution. I recognize that a number of those institutions I mentioned were not public, but it's an easy way for the federal government to justify why they're not giving money to these state institutions. You know, you know what? You're giving me a great perspective that I didn't I didn't know these facts. That's why this is actually really interesting what you're saying right now. And and so, you know if if anybody's going to fucking know this shit, it is you. Like, so th- this, this is, was actually this the the final presentation that I had in grad school as well was on like uh, these particular performance-based funding models that a number of states have utilized that coincidentally all come from conservative think tanks, conservative and libertarian think tanks, where um, they're basically trying to strangle these public institutions away so they can push people to elite institutions, but not middle-class, you know, blue-collar students. They're pushing like upper socioeconomic privileged students to go to these places. I'll also say too, there have also been states that have been very fucking petty about how they're willing to give money. 
I remember I talked to somebody who worked at Coastal Carolina University and they had a common read, which is a book that the entire first year class has to read. And it talked about LGBT trans issues as kind of like a side narrative of the book. The state legislature took $250,000 out of their budget because of that. And you see ridiculous. that there is a push to make it harder to go to college because a lot of these conservative or libertarian political parties or political action committees or think tanks don't want students to get this access. And for all the people that say like, oh, you can make just as much money without a college degree as you would with somebody who does, the numbers don't bear that out. And the, the stratification that you see with people who have degrees versus the ones who don't, their, their, their lifetime earning is significantly fucking different. Yeah. And all that to be said, Forgiving a portion of loans solves many problems. 500,000 people who identify as Black or African American are no longer in debt. This is probably one of these populations in this country that has been most impacted economically since the foundation of this country. And 500,000 of these individuals are no longer having to pay a loan that they know they're never going to be able to pay back. One in five people default on their student loans. And I think this is a great opportunity for this country to show that you don't need to keep people in debt in order for us to like break even. Yeah. Tom, doesn't it feel like there's a racial aspect to not wanting to do the loan forgiveness since black Americans are essentially the number one like demographic that actually takes out these loans? Yes. I, I mean, I've said it before. The the college education became the stand-in for like the the literacy test that companies used to give. You know, it it became the new way. Um, it was it was essentially it was like a Jim Jim Crow of its own. Hundred percent. I will, I will say, I I will say though that if you look at the the way that fi higher education has like matured in this country from its inception to now. There have been a number of subsidized programs to get students, to get young people to college. Shit, the GI Bill, the World War II GI Bill was the largest influx of individuals into higher education since the foundation of the country. And everyone thought it was going to be a bad idea until all of these veterans came back from their theaters of operation and blew the fucking doors off of all these schools where there were letters and articles from professors saying, we can't keep up with these student veterans because they're asking us questions about Roman mythology, literature, all of these like languages that we have not thought about before. And everyone assumed when all these soldiers were coming back from Europe, back from Japan, back from Africa, that they were going to take all of like the hard sciences or like mechanical stuff, but they're all taking like philosophy yeah. and they're all became like English majors. And they're like, the professors were like, we've never had this much work that we've had to do to make our students happy. 
I don't know where I was going with that, but I was I remember reading I, that somewhere and I was just floored by it. I, yeah. I think that does I mean that speaks to the, the psyche of like what happens when you send somebody to war, right? Like they don't wanna continue to be part of that machine, probably a lot of them. Um, but And the discipline to continue to study too was the other thing too. Like they were dedicating themselves to it. Yeah, I mean they took a gap year off and they realized they wanted that education, right? They yeah. had definitely fucking earned that that education 10 times over um moving forward going forward from this i think that we do like america has always had a philosophical love for education we see it as an ideal it's a very important value in this country um it's going to remain an important contentious i issue for us um i I think, though, we have to make sure to work towards – and I know what you're saying is that, like, we thought that this would be a way of pushing pushing production and things like that and, and moving technology forward. But a lot of people instead wanted to go into, um, like, your liberal arts, right, is what you're saying. A lot of mm -hmm. people have an interest there. Um but and I to this do... day, too. And to this day, Gatto, I'll, I'll just add this to what you were saying. But a lot of employers are saying that they need workers who have durable skills and are able to effectively communicate, critically think, and are able to work as a team. They don't necessarily, and this is kind of that whole rub against like, oh, we don't need any more like philosophy majors or English majors or art history majors. Like, but you need people who are able to think and ultimately going to school to just learn how to use fucking Excel is not thinking it's doing. We also need yeah. to have a, a sect of the population or a portion of the population that's able to think about thinking. Yeah. And, and I mean, this kind of goes to maybe there's some, some structural changes that need to happen to the education system. Right. Um, that's probably an important thing that needs to happen. But there's too much focus on what people go to college for at this point. I think we're seeing a lot of pushback on this and mainly from these conservatives that are talking about these fucking baristas who get a fucking social science degree. And, you know, I'm not going to feel like paying their fucking loans back. And I mean, college is essentially about finding yourself and ultimately finding what you're passionate about. And I don't think it's any fuck any people's fucking business what you go to college for. And ultimately, in the richest fucking nation in the world, you're not going to tell me that we can't have the government can't provide a free two year whatever for college that ultimately allows people to find what they're passionate about. And I think in a lot of times you might find that those people who go for fucking whatever you know, sociology might find something that they're more passionate about. So you have to give people the space to learn. If you're going to force them into these like analytical positions where they have to like learn how to do Excel and be a fucking paper pusher, it's, it's not going to work and it's ultimately going to have really bad side effects. So for me, well, it's, it's okay. So I see both sides of this argument, right? Because on and and this is coming from the perspective of I got one of those soft skill degrees. I got a political science degree, but then I've spent most of my time in a technical area or for, you know um, industry. And 
And so I understand that there, like, there are people that could have done with learning more soft skills through um, taking taking things in liberal arts in liberal arts areas of interest, right? And and I think I think that there will be a lot of people that are very successful because they develop those critical thinking skills that you've mentioned, Tom. Um, and then go into other arenas, but I feel like there's a better there's a better combination of this because the reality is that you still do need some functional skills. Now, I want to say that everybody that's that says this that's like, oh, the liberal arts degrees. Remember that there's a consequence to getting what you wish for. So if everyone starts going and they start getting these technical degrees, now you have hotshot engineers coming in for half the price, and your old ass that's still using a fucking calculator to fucking do something that they're writing a program for well guess what you're fucking out a job and you have nowhere to go with that degree do you think half of these like old congressmen could know what like a pdf actually is like do no you think we've like... seen too many of them get in trouble when they fucking blast what is finsta by all email to everyone yeah what is are you finsta? gonna are you gonna close finsta the other well, I think I remember what I was going to say now, and it was against that narrative that we don't need any more art history majors or anything like that. But I, I think you need to look at like we as a society need to understand how our culture works. I'm not saying that everyone needs to work for fucking like BuzzFeed and be culture commentary people, but when we're talking about like art and how art imitates life, or we're talking about like how people make music. We need to have somebody who's able to understand that and talk about it. However, on the flip side, the idea that everybody needs to be a business major or an entrepreneur is not correct because first off, being an entrepreneur is not an actual job. And two, if we are flooded with fucking business majors, like we always are, guess what? We have a influx and we don't have enough people we have an influx of business majors and we don't have enough knife sellers at Costco. So then what's going to happen? And I, I don't mean to demean people with business degrees, but everyone says like, oh, we have another communications like graduate here. Like, yeah, we have another fucking like business administration person here who also doesn't understand how any of this shit works either. And look solely at like, I'm getting this degree so I can make as much money as possible, regardless of, I'm getting this degree because I, one, like it, and two, I think I could be good at it. And I feel like that was what we were told when we were in high school. Like, oh, you want to get a degree in business because, you know, it's the fastest way to make money. Like, not really, though. Tom, literally, that's what I was told. I yeah. Was, I, I, I was going for something else. And then my one of my one of my college and you know, my high school teachers was like, why are you going to do that? He's like, go for business or marketing. And that's what I did. I mean, yeah. a, big, a big part of that, I think, for us q right was like we're coming out of a school that's known for having like lower to lower middle uh middle class you know households and stuff so there there's probably a push to just like this degree will help you get out of you know get out of our neighborhood <laughs> kind of thing um but you know that that goes to that question i think we were asking a similar question a couple weeks ago of like, you know, what's, what's more important success or, uh, significance, significance. And this is why there's like a gap year for, for a lot of college students would be great because, 
you get out into the real world a little bit, whatever that fucking really means, and you take that second to determine, you know, what where your life, what direction your life wants to go. You also get all the partying out without the consequences, because let's be honest, that's probably one of the biggest fucking diminishers of this whole thing that we forget is that people are having the time of their lives at the same time as they're trying to create the foundation for their future. And uh, sometimes I wonder if those are like at odds a little bit too. Well, there's um, there's a number of people that I've spoken to who've worked at these institutions where they have, they have students who are in high school and they're in these dual enrollment programs. Yeah. And you know, they're in high school and they're taking college credit courses at the, at the college. And I mean, I've been, I've worked with students who accrued like 60 credits prior to coming to college and they're, you know, 18, 19, and they're going to graduate when they're 20. I'll tell you what, like, there are probably other ways to like cognitively develop but there is a level of maturity and growth that happens when you go to school. There is a social norming that happens. There is um, social interactions that you don't necessarily get. And the way that you look at college is the big sandbox where you can really understand and explore who you are without a, a lot of those consequences. And granted, there's some shitty things that happens at colleges as well. And I'm not saying that this is the only place where you can do that exploration. But a vast majority of students today use that time to explore things that they would not necessarily be able to do. And in many cases, this is the first time they're able to actually be themselves. Um, yeah. You know, going beyond college or going beyond high school, they might have had to hide their identity when they're in that high school. And now they're in college, they're able to do something different. It, it's a. Uh... It's funny you said like the sandbox, and it made me think of like, here are basically all these like future adults pretending to be adults going through that whole phase together. Right. Like, yeah. That's, that's exactly what that is. And that's, that's a great part of the college experience for sure. Um, I do want to touch on one other thing though, if that's okay, sure. is that I think also employers deserve some responsibility for this as well in terms of the demand for advanced education and essentially forcing their workforce to have to go and get master's degrees or advanced doctorates or advanced degrees and stuff that they probably don't need it. Like in my case, I have an undergraduate degree in education and a master's degree in education. And the first job I got out of grad school paid 35,000 fucking dollars a year with a master's degree in education. But a lot of other companies too will have a master's degree that's required and effectively, it's used as a way to determine who they're able to pay top money to and who they don't have to. And they say, like, well, you can go and get another degree and come back and you make like two times, like double what you're making now. But in all reality, it really doesn't matter unless you're in like the hard sciences or in like counseling or anything like that. It really won't make a difference. And, and I got to be honest, you know, like when they when I see some of these jobs posted and I'm like. They want they want like someone with like a master's in computer science. And I'm like, for fucking what? You're going to like look at like you're going to monitor some fucking servers. Yeah, you're going to check it. Like I'm like, you're not actually doing. And this is why you're seeing you're this the super back. admin on Google Drive now. Yeah, yeah that's exactly like, you. You look at like you're looking at fucking like uh, all the big all the 
like fang companies right now facebook google they're all they're all complaining about like oh we're gonna have to reduce like the the current like people going into the tech world are gonna get paid less than previous ones right and and i think they were probably overpaying them for a long time like i still think like the the people they pay for these for these analytic jobs it's overblown and unnecessary granted it's a very hard topic machine learning is probably one of those areas of where you do need to be pretty smart and fucking have advanced degrees for but like most of these other things don't and like i i've seen like jobs that i'm like oh i check all the boxes for experience but they want this they want this fucking like they they want a super fucking soldier that has this advanced they want a fucking doctorate candidate whatever it is like someone that that has all these qualifications i'm like you're just asking for too much even for that you know what i mean like phd piled higher and deeper baby yeah with like years of experience i'm like if you spent 10 years fucking in in a classroom setting you're never gonna have this experience or you're gonna be really fucking old and that degree isn't gonna be worth shit because technology has changed drastically since then fucking yeah. idiot <laughs> q you've been quiet for a while give us your thoughts no no i'm i'm, I'm enjoying listening to this because i couldn't agree more on all of this i mean it's at the end of the day I remember coming out of college and, you know, applying for jobs that I got my degree in and, you know, like entry level jobs that basically, basically required that say entry level, right? Entry level, but you need three or four years experience in the field. There, there needs to be a real, like, and again, like going back to the college issue in, in general, you ultimately like this is what drives me nuts about people who are ultimately against any type of loan forgiveness. You force the entire work for, workforce into getting loans because can't pay for college out of our pockets, right? I mean, even if you're able to pay, like even if you went to Suffolk, right? Like small well, percentage of people are able to pay completely. Hundred percent. But I mean, like even like a Suffolk, which is like a you know community college, which was relatively cheap. It's still like $2,500 a semester plus books. And the books themselves can be an extra $1,000. That's a whole other fucking racket we can get into also. Right. Nope. And, and you know, now, like, you see a lot of these kids are torrenting these books. And, like, now they were, they're requiring them to have the physical copies. Stupid. Fucking horseshit. Yeah. But, so, you know, ultimately, it's there has been, like, almost like a handshake being done between businesses and colleges to essentially – force you and we're seeing it it, it it is you're seeing it now with this return to work stuff and you're seeing it now with how the fed has been talking about this about how we need to discipline workers back into submission and get them back into the office mm. this is a coordinated event between business and colleges to keep you in debt and to keep you in line. I I do have a hot take on this one with yeah. the return to office. A lot of these companies, I'm like, if if productivity is the thing you're fearing slipping the most, right? They're talking about these three-day hybrid flex models and stuff, a lot of these companies. Why stop at three days? And I really, really worry that what this is is the future, like, hill in which they're going to launch the attack from 
where they say, we just need more part-time work. We just need you to be part-time workers and we'll pay you less. And this is all just a big fucking ploy to pay people less in the end. Yeah. I think, well, I mean, I think they're forcing us into that ploy. It's maximizing profits, right? And how do you maximize profits by paying your employees less? But I mean, in general, though, if, if they really if like the government really cares about making sure that people are not taken advantage of and getting the best opportunity possible, their number one has to be restitution paid, which is ultimately loan forgiveness. And I agree. Uh, the president of the NCAAP said that $10,000 is essentially throwing a bucket of water on a forest fire. I agree with that. I think it should be at least 50000 which is something Chuck Schumer has talked about. So I think there has to be restitution paid to people who've already gone through this to help mitigate that problem. But then secondly, if colleges, if, if ultimately businesses are really about getting like, like workers at a good position, there needs to be some kind of, I don't know, like, I guess you can call it like a, like a, a standardization of like yeah, the, the rules yeah. and stuff. I think there needs, yeah. Or the, essentially the more trade schools. Like why aren't there like, trade schools for like coding and shit like you well, know, they have, they've, they've popped up you know right. now you have boot camps and things like this in which you just you spend right. 16 weeks or eight weeks or four weeks depending on what what they're they're offering um and you can you can learn how to do all of that stuff and and that's the thing is that in our day and age with internet technology like there's there's so many resources out there that are available that you could pick up a lot of this information that you were, you were really supposed to be getting in a college setting. And granted, I went back to get some of that information, try that other half, that technical education. And I found that I would say about 40% of the professors were actually people that I felt like were, were, were experts or had master knowledge knowledge of these these categories and the other half were just people that fucking read a textbook or knew fucking what what a textbook said you know and and that's why it's like there's there's a lot of there's a lot of moving pieces to this problem right that my think... my my dad was an adjunct professor for a couple of years and he said very much the same thing where he spent about 35 years of his life working in finance and corporate finance and he served as an adjunct for finance and accounting courses. And he was like, there are people who have PhDs in all these advanced degrees and they know theory, but they don't actually know how any of this works. And he said, when he had his class, he'd be like, you need to know this for the test, but this is the workaround that you would actually utilize if you did this in the workplace. And there is something to be said about, there is a difference between an, a teacher and an instructor or um, a, a lecturer. Yeah. And that's the thing that's different in college where there are people that are career academics that are teaching you this information and they might not have any practical experience to do it. But we also need to be mindful too that we do need like people who can teach you the formalized way how to do something. So then you could learn those workarounds as well. Yeah, I mean, and it's not it's not always across all the fields. Like there's like survey classes that I recall coming in and like discussing like software defined networking and it was like making my teachers fucking eyes glass over because she she had spent a few years as like a program manager at like a local IT company whatever you know and like 
Um, but I will say, if ever given the opportunity, I would definitely take one of Dave's courses. He would probably be an 100%. awesome fucking professor. 100%. Yeah, it Is would definitely. No, not anymore. He's done. Ah. Um, he stopped during the pandemic because he was just tired of doing Zoom shit. But no, 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 he might do it again. He likes to ride his bike and shit and take photos and stuff. So, um, hey, you could always put the course online, sell it true. online. That's you true. Know, on our you Patreon, know, we were talking about <laughs> uh, art majors before, and like art in general is like a billion dollar business, right? So, it's like, how do you consider that to be a waste of a, like if you end up becoming like an art dealer and understand like you can make fucking millions? Yeah, so you can you can make more money than like half of the majors out there. I I, I want I want to say that though that's like because there's more of those majors than there's jobs to fill them, right? Like, which is fair, but I mean, ultimately, you know, if we're talking about like I, this is my point though, is that like trying to put like a classification on who should get it and who shouldn't is is. It is useless process. I, I, I think that the judgment that those people are making is more on that that person's making these like dreamy choices that don't equate to a reality of the future for them. And this country has rewarded bold takes every single time. So sure, well, but well, like, there was, there was a mean, whole. Go ahead, Gato. I'm sorry. I was I was just gonna say like I got a poli sci degree, but nobody's taken me to be their aid. That's you know what I mean, like. But I if you're ultimately, but you know what, Delgado, you're ultimately, if, you know, if you're in an industry, so whether or not you, your college, you were, let's say you were like poli sci and you end up in technology, right? Are you not still contributing, you know, even despite what you got in college, that it's still deserving oh, of yeah. a, so even if you're an art history major and you end up in tech, like what's the fucking difference? Yeah, no, no. And that goes back to the points that you guys were making earlier. Um, it's just that I understand why they're trying to make that point, not saying it's a valid point. It's very straw man. Like, it's not fully discreditable in some ways, I think, in the reality of, like, you are you have to know that there's a lack of jobs in a certain field, and therefore it might be it might be risky to take that. It might be your passion. It's just you, you might have trouble paying that off because well, the price, you know. I was going to say, we value certain jobs over other ones. And yeah. if you think about it, like back in 2012 and 2013, when the Tea Party was at its like height, they were telling everybody that they shouldn't go to college. Keep in mind, these are people who went to fucking elite colleges telling you yeah. not to go to college. Well, you got like Tom, uh, Ted Cruz, who's Ted like- Ted Cruz, Rick Santorum, all these fucking idiots who went Ted to- Ted Cruz Penn. went to Princeton or Harvard? Princeton and Harvard. So he, he said the other day, he was talking about like these fucking baristas, they want their loans paid off. And he's, I'd like to see fucking Ted Cruz work five minutes during a fucking rush at Starbucks and see if he did not. He's, he'd be hiding in the corner crying. If he had a porn on his phone. Yeah. Have him work in the East Hampton Starbucks for like two hours and see, see how he's doing afterwards. Well, after, well, the well, after the third chai latte has just been thrown in his face. He wouldn't make it through shift. <laughs> no. None of these guys would make it through a shift. Well, what I was what I was saying is like there was such an emphasis on like these hard skill jobs. Like it was like a GOP like like homing beacon to talk about people should be trying to find welding jobs. And the thing that many GOP candidates and politicians don't understand is you actually need a degree for a welding career. 
And it's actually an incredibly technical job where you have to learn a lot about metallurgy and physics and thermodynamics to understand how that job actually works. And they were saying like, well, if you're a, if you're a welder, you can make like $150,000 a year. And they set so many people up for failure because a lot of those jobs do not fucking exist. A lot of times welding jobs are like 17 to $25 an hour, but they're not 50 or 60. You don't work for a shipping company or anything like I, that. I was gonna say, it's they're also incredibly dangerous. They it's, are. I was going to say it's because uh, they're not actually fucking making infrastructure bills to then put these people to work in the first place, fixing our decaying and decrepit infrastructure. Yeah. I, <laughs> I, um, I read a book recently called The Inequality Machine for Work, and it talked about this whole narrative around like the value of what it means to be a welder and how much money you can make off of that, and how you could fight the system and not have to go to college to do it. When in reality, you have to go to a community college or trade school to get a welding certification to be able to do it. And all of these jobs that the Republican or conservative politicians said were out there didn't actually fucking exist. And there's a story of a guy who went and got like tried to go to school to to become a welder and had to travel around like the mid-Atlantic area to try to find a fucking job. And it, it just it's frustrating to hear like these people get set up and you know, the, you know, it's the Lucy with a football and she pulls it away as soon as Charlie Brown gets close and these people get fucked again. And it's that cognitive, like that, like the, it's like, Oh, you didn't get a job. See college is bullshit. Or, Oh, you didn't get a job. This is the Democrats like ruining you again. But I want to get to this question because I think this will be particularly spicy with this group. I'm sure we all have friends who are all jammed up that they had to pay their loans or they had a parent that paid their loans and is upset that the government is forgiving others. What do you say to those people? I, I actually, I get dark branded on the line. No, not really. There, there's, you, know, <laughs> you, guys ever, you guys ever seen the meme, the trolley question? And it's essentially a trolley going down a track and, and you can pull the lever and it's yeah. either going to run over one person or it's going to run over 55 people. Sucks. But by the way, if you paid your loans during the pandemic, you can actually get a refund on those. Yep. Um, so that is something that's being done. At the end of the day, if you are privileged enough to have been paying off your loans or have your parents helping you out, which, by the way, I have had both. I paid and also had help. Um, I don't need it. And I don't think it's I don't I don't really care ultimately because. This is, I think we're too individualistic uh, a lot of the times. And for me, this is one of the, this is the one topic that gets really, really super that way. Ultimately, I think you just need to look at it as a, like a situation where you should be thankful that you had the help. Yeah. But it's a, ne it's a necessary thing going forward though. We need yeah. to, if you, if you care about this country at all, this is going to have to get solved some one way or another. So. I, I, a big part of me actually believes that the, like the government crunched the numbers, said, oh, these people are all going to default in 10 years anyhow. Let's just cut it right now before it actually fucking happens. They're like simply heroes. wiping it off the ledger. That's all yeah. they're doing. They're just – it's uh, already been paid. Like it's, The government yeah. owns the loan company. <laughs> they're just taking the money that they were going to collect and wiping it off. All, like, all that their taxes interest. are not going up. 
Like, that's another thing. Rate. They've been saying taxes are going up. No, they're not. There's no this proof has no that. bearing on taxes there's, at all. There's no proof of that. It um No, you know what? Like when someone says that to me, I just I think they have a very selfish perspective. I don't really want to engage with them about it because I just know they're wrong or they're fighting for the wrong purpose or for a political ideology has told them to make that feel that way. Um this country bails out fucking Look, this is this is how we have to do it because we have inefficient systems. Too bad, so sad. Fucking cry about something worse. There's lots of other things that suck more that you could be crying about. But can I also it, say? But, can I say too? Like yeah. for all of the jerk offs out there that are saying like, "Oh, inflation's gonna go up because we've we've wiped 350 billion dollars off of the budget or off the ledger," like. Where was this fucking outcry when we gave the airlines and everybody on the Dow Jones Industrial Average a shit ton of money during the pandemic? Like, no one was saying, like, oh, inflation's going to go up because of that. It's just this fucking narrative around, like, normal people not being allowed to have money. Because that little that that little bit of extra money, man, creates parity that fucking systems rely on not existing. Our boy Dark, Dark Brandon said it himself. He said, "Why why doesn't pe- why don't people have the same energy?" I'm paraphrasing. Why don't people have the same energy when a massive tax cut for businesses happens? Oh, because they're fucking job creators. Fuck that. Man. No, like, all of the money that went to the airlines went to stock buybacks, and then they fucking laid this. They said, "We need this money so we can't lay people. We don't want to lay people off." They got the money. What did they do? They laid people off immediately. Yep. They still did it. They and and (laughs) it's amazing. The best way I would describe the way I would explain this to somebody who was getting all upset that like loans were repaid for folks that needed it, and and I will say too, I fall into that same category as UQ, where I've been working to pay off my loans, but I've also had help with that as well. Yeah. The best way I would describe that, and I feel like this is an apt comparison considering the time of the year it is, but. And I'm going to make this very surgical here. Both of you are from the Shirley Mastic area, correct? Don't give out my address. Okay. Well, for everybody who wants it, <laughs> I'm donate, okay. donate to the they Patreon. weren't aware already. Yeah. I don't, I <laughs> we talk about it every week. Did yeah, either yeah. of you or your parents' homes have any damage from either Hurricane Sandy or Irene? Thankfully, no. No, but a friend of ours did. Yes. So... How about this? I lived in Shoreham where the only thing that happened in my neighborhood was we had a tree down in our backyard. It would be similar to me saying too fucking bad. You don't deserve any FEMA money because it didn't happen to me. Right. Yeah. And I think like I saw it on the internet the other day. Someone was all fucking hissy and pissy. Like I paid off my student loans and that person for you. That person had that they lived in Florida in their bio and someone responded like, so the next time a hurricane comes through and ravages the entire state of Florida, I live in North Dakota. I'm not giving you a fucking cent because you chose to live in Florida in the same way that you said that people who go to college and get student loans have chosen to take out loans. And going back to what you said, Q, there is too much of this the disease of me going on right now, where this was a country for a long time that understood that 
If we put money into the pot, we can all be rich. Four terms of FDR tell you that exactly. Yeah. That we the were rising tide, no pun intended, lifts all fucking boats. And yep. right now, we're only worried about one boat right now. You know, like, but you know what's so funny though? My favorite thing on the internet now is these fuckers who got PPP loans, oh, and like that's the they they essentially say it's for fucking payroll. So Marge Taylor Green was Dude. like, "This is ridiculous. Why are we giving people that money?" That was my this? asshole. <laughs> We can How get much into did she it. get? Did she get like eight hundred thousand dollars or something like that? I think it was. Hold I think on. it was like a hundred thousand or something. But like she, she listed it was for payroll and it was completely forgiven. And oh, there were random people, by the way. There were random people on the internet on Twitter who apparently didn't realize this is public information, and they were complaining about loan forgiveness. And then somebody would be like, "This you." And it's literally a hundred and fifty thousand dollar loan that was forgiven. And, and people they, are upset. They lock, like you should... they lock their account immediately I... and like nuke everything because so... like, they got called out. Okay, so I, you know what? We're just gonna kind of jump right into this. Just go about that yeah. time anyhow. Yep. Just go. So through. my asshole of the week is is March Taylor Green, Mike Kelly, Mike Gat, um, Matt Gatz, all these fucking assholes that are talking about these loan issues for this reason because. They were all saying this is bullshit. They should we shouldn't be forgiving loans. Yet Marjorie Taylor Greene had one hundred eighty three thousand dollars in PPP loans forgiven. Mike Kelly had almost a million dollars, and Matt Gatz had a cool half million. So hang on a second. And Let's say you go to a public university, a, a mid-sized public university in the state of Florida. You go to like University of North Florida or West Florida. Figure you walking out of college with like $55,000 in student loan debt, okay? And Matt Getz gets a $500,000 loan that turned into a grant that he no longer has to pay back. How many people, and I'll make this, I don't mean to make this an SAT question, but how many people could he pay to go to college and get a degree based off of his loan? Uh, I don't. Like, I don't believe for, in math, so I can't for, answer that. For anyone who has the answer to that, we will give you a free coaster. <laughs> <laughs> Shipped overnight by Tom Deroma. Yep. <laughs> yeah, and, and a lot of people. There's been a lot of pushback on by conservatives that like these PPP loans were meant to save jobs, and like, how dare you criticize them for taking advantage of it? Tom Brady got one. Um, Kanye yeah. West, I believe, got one. Kim Kardashian got one. Yep. What the like? These are some of the richest people. The, what do they need a hundred thousand dollars for? And and this all just comes down to the fact that we are all we're all people, man, and we're all going to fucking utilize any advantage that's fucking given to us, whether that is through getting education, whether it's through a fucking loan structuring. You know, the thing is, these people have people working for them that know this stuff, that understand this stuff, and so they maximize ways of getting them money and getting their loans forgiven. You know, Vern Buchanan, a Republican representative from Florida, two point three million dollars in debt canceled. Bro, fuck you, and, Vern. And and can I say that the balls, the massive sheer weight of the fucking White House social media account uh, fucking slinging this fucking information out there. Juicy. Just I don't know what's been going on lately, man. It feels like we're in the fucking upside down because it's so amazing watching this shit happen. We are in the era of dark Brandon Gatto. It is a crossover of Johnny Manziel in the Terminator. 
<laughs> the termazel. It's, it, it's pretty. It's been pretty amazing to watch, and you're seeing like just to go overall political. We're seeing primary battles that have been very positive for the Democrats. So, if this continues, and by the way, I, I I'm telling you right now, if Dark Brandon decides to do to make marijuana legal federally and like remove it from the, the scheduling, uh, yeah. yeah. If he did that, Democrats are going to win in November easily. So I think he should. I think he should go. I Honestly, fucking go for home runs. Be Joey Gallo. You might strike out. Go hit a home run. The funny thing is, too, is like all the Republicans are saying like, oh, Joe Biden is just like giving the like Democrats everything that they want. And they're just yeah. buying votes. Like That's how the politics problem, works, buddy. The problem yeah. with the GOP <laughs> is, though, is they just bought votes from the smallest demographic of people when they passed their like one point nine trillion dollar like. Um, this is where this thing. is where that's, Republican that's populism fails. That's yep. yeah, that's that's what happens when you pander to a, the group of Christo fascists that fucking how, exist in this country. How long, guys? How long were we all three of us basically saying, just do something, yeah. like do something? Here's my and, asshole of the week, <laughs> Joe Biden. Well, yeah, because like we were just saying, like just fucking do something, man. Like all you need to do is just do something. Because you know, ultimately you're you're going to hit a a such a large demographic and like in November you're going to be able to pile on shit that you can say like this is what we did which is going to be super fucking useful when you're talking about young people um you're talking about like older voters elderly? yeah i mean these are key demographics that you need large numbers from and and i got to be honest you know maybe we were just a little naive and they're just a little smarter on how to time things out because they let things get to an all-time low, and now they're coming up out of it, and it's about it's about peaking at the right time, right? We can all agree that it's it, you gotta get you gotta you gotta hit the stride at the right time, otherwise it all goes to shit, right? Listen, if they pull off a feat in November and end up keeping the House and the Senate, then I'll believe you. But so, until then, I'm a little bit like they might have just like well, slipped into horseshit and okay. ended up finding gold. But the thing the thing about it is right now we were watching Republicans we were watching the Democrats react to the Republicans playing their game. Right now it's all Democrats playing offense. their game and offense, yeah. baby. And, and the Republicans offense. the Republicans are on are on their heels. And yep. honestly, it doesn't look good for them because what's happening right now is they're miring they're miring the the moderates that they were really hoping we're going to bring the red wave and people are getting frustrated with them. They're fracturing because of all these loonies that are fucking running along with the normal candidates and winning. And that's the unintended effect. And I mean, and, and also it, it exposes the lack. Well. It also exposes the lack of platform that they had because Trump, Trump made sure that the only platform was me. Yep. Yeah. And again, you know, you can call us lefties if you want. That's fine. I'll, I'll take that le uh, label. But at the end of the day, you can't deny any conservative can't deny they don't have a platform. And I think with Roe v. Wade, it's kind of like the dog catching the car. You know, they don't know what to do with themselves now because they got what they wanted. But now they have nothing to push people on. No. OK. Yeah. They can sell like keeping it, you know, dead because Biden has already said that he's going to. Um, essentially codify it if they get the chance 
But, like, they don't really have much. And now, like you said, Gato, they're going to be playing defense the entire time defending Trump in the raid instead of talking about the, thing, the culture war shit that they love to talk about. Well, the funny thing is that what they've ended up doing is they've now raised the microphone for uh, left – like the left in the states because now they've created contentious battles about abortions in the states which is actually bad for them because it's so unfucking popular and you know and you know the (laughs) demographic that is the most against the overturning of roe versus wade roe versus wade fathers Mm. most against it um surprising now i wouldn't say the most and i take that back but they are a surprising demographic that people but is that co- is that broken down like because i know white males have typically been pretty positive about the roe v wade being overturned i don't know where i heard that statistic but i just definitely heard it either yeah. from like breaking points or from bill maher i just can't remember mm-hmm. where specifically but it surprised me as well in the sense that you're putting like parents are also happy for federal loans being forgiven and fathers are, are supportive of women's reproductive rights. And I agree with you hundred percent in the sense that the GOP had a platform that they didn't actually think they were going to be able to get so they could run on it all they wanted. And now they finally have it. And now they don't know what the fuck to do because the, our boy from South Carolina had no idea that people could fucking die from like medical complications from and 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 the 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 way that get that's going to keep happening it's and you know that like the more left-leaning news sites are going to like hammer that and you dude it, like any debate for anybody that voted for any type of like restricting abortion if it happens in that state you know any debate that's done they're going to be like you have blood on your hands yeah yeah. It's not going to look good for them. What it's it's actually it's really funny, man, because it's like getting all everything you've ever wished for. Yeah, is like it's the monkey paw. You are it really seeing, is. You are seeing Catholic countries, Ireland, which is like the fucking most Catholic, are now embracing um, re- reproductive rights. Um, I think it was in uh, Mexico there you saw women like I, storming like a like a, over a gate and everything, like. You're seeing countries that have been restrictive of reproductive rights are now embracing them, and we are literally trying to go back. It's it's uh it's funny actually because it, I was in Dublin when they were having a pro life uh protest in like the middle of the the city there, and everybody that was there was just like, yeah, fuck those cunts. They fucking come out here and they're all shitty and they fucking they raise their fucking signs over their fucking heads and they don't. They've never had a kid, and they've never fucking, they've never been in a situation. That's pretty good. And and then they come into the pub, and they fucking act like cunts, and they they fucking make everybody's life fucking miserable, and we're fucking sick of it. And I just fucking want to disagree with them out of spite of their fucking asses. It's It's actually pretty good. It's pretty good, actually. actually. You you were in Europe for way too long, because that's way too, that's that's far too good. You're a a Sicilian Irishman. I drink a lot of whiskey, or used to at least. All right, so I'm going to pivot. I'm going to go to my asshole. And it's the MTV Movie Awards. Nobody wants to go to your asshole. (laughs) Hey, listen. Listen, we're doing it. We're we're going on an adventure. 
Um, <laughs> it was the uh, MTV Awards last night. I don't, I don't really care Fucking about hell. it. So I, I don't know if it was the, it was the Music Awards. Excuse me. Why do they have more than one award? They have music and movie awards, so they have oh, two separate. Oh fucking things. Christ! Yeah, Just I, I, I end the misery. I used to watch when I was younger, like when I was a teenager, and I used to like it. But so for mainly two purposes, um, there was a an extremely bizarre moment in which they have the spaceman logo, which is pretty synonymous with early MTV days, and then all of a sudden it's Johnny fucking Depp's face, like. Planted on the like the face of the spaceman. I, I, I saying gibberish. I don't even know what he was saying. And but it was just a way of getting Johnny Depp onto the like after all that's been done and said, did not need to be included, especially because it's the fucking music awards. It's not the movie awards. What the, the fuck is Johnny Depp making an appearance? This, this is what happens when you let your business decisions get run basic based off of. Marketing analytics only. Yeah, yeah, because they knew that it would it would cause controversy and, and no bad controversy. I'm going to include here Eminem and Snoop Dogg. Just the saddest fucking thing I've ever seen. As everyone knows at this point, we are not fans of NFTs. We are not fans of uh-huh. uh, this whole movement. And. Let's be real. Since March of this year, we've seen the markets crashing for NFTs. We're seeing that the values were never really what they were. Um, the $300,000 picture of a monkey. And Stupid. it seems like the, the market has been dying. But yet, Eminem and Snoop Dogg performed as their bored apes last night in a video of them as their bored apes and then led into their performance. And it seems like a, like a death grasp uh, to try and remain relevant in the NFT space. And it's just sad. It's sad that they think that this is cool or that anybody really gives a shit. I, I'd love to see like a 50-year-old guy like who has no idea about any of this stuff just watching this. Like, what the fuck is this? It's just <laughs> so fucking sad. And like, I don't... like. Is this profitable to them? I can't be profitable to them. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ, God! <laughs> it was not hey, you could that. buy that ape. You could buy that ape. No, I'm I'm ready to put a fucking get a small business loan and buy it. <laughs> you know, a PPP so, loan, if you will. Are, are, yeah. Like again, I think I think look, they got they got fucking pilled on it by some investment bro fucking and they're either in a contract they gotta fucking do some promotional shit they're just and they're they're just living out the life of this shitty fucking promotion and and it's funny it's gonna cost their reputation unfortunately if you do you guys know who the Winklevoss twins are yes unfortunately yes. so the Winklevi um <laughs> they they got there first they they were very heavy into the crypto and nft space and if you look at their twitters now they have essentially stripped any mention of bitcoin or nfts their nft fucking profile pictures with the laser eyes and bullshit is are gone and they're leaning very heavily into their band which i recommend anyone to look up their music performances because it is the oh. worst shit i've ever heard the winklevoss twins they, oh, they, have, a they band. have a band oh it got oh it's so fucking bad Dude, these these two like overgrown man children 
They were singing um, are... What's My Age Again, and it's uh-huh. just the worst fucking thing I've ever seen. Oh my god. It's I'm going to send it to you guys. Dude, Those are the two people who should not be fucking singing that song. If you go to Harvard, you're not allowed to they, own a guitar. Ugh. You know, gonna, they, probably, you. They, probably, they probably walked around their fucking dorm telling girls that they created fucking Wonderwall. I, I just sent you uh I just sent you the performance <laughs> of them singing um Don't Stop Believing. Oh Jesus. Of course Christ. they are. And I think we should probably share this with uh with everybody because uh, I'll it's make it into an outro. The fucking worst I, I've ever heard. Oh my god. Yeah, so wanna, this is the shit hard. that you can do when you're like dumb rich. Because oh yeah, the, yeah. The and, audience are probably paid in like half a bitcoin. And people people will like tell you to your face like that was awesome. You're you're like a, you're a visionary. Well, as long as you buy the next round, I'll tell you whatever the fuck you want. Yeah. So MTV Awards, you fucking suck, Oof. dude. A three hundred fifty thousand dollar board ape NFT was just sold for hundred fifteen dollars. I don't believe you. You know what? Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I wonder if these fucking geniuses were able to get insurance or something on these things, Hmm. and then they were able to get the fucking... They're able to fucking claim some sort of... Well, they're able to claim a loss on them. They're definitely able to claim a loss on them as as an investment. They'll probably say it's something similar to art. Um... I guarantee, like, they're not like. Why would you sell something for 115 bucks if if you paid that much for it? You would just keep it out of fucking spite. There's got to be a reason. They're running a scam on the fact that it's now a scam. Madness. It's got to be. China. China. Got who you got? Oh no, mine was uh, mine was the fucking PPP loans. Oh, that's right. The, The. the White House dunking on everyone for the PPP loan forgiveness. Yeah. Love that. My asshole of the week is going to be Aaron Donald. Ooh, uh, no, good actually, one. him and all of the people who are like NFL pundits who tried to defend it as a non-official NFL event. Um, Ryan Clark had some juicy, stupid takes on it. Um, a number of individuals on ESPN were saying, like, this is practice. This is what happens. Like, when was the last... And he should not be suspended because it was not a league-sanctioned event. Are you fucking kidding me? I don't need to go far back to look at Albert Hainsworth when he stomped on somebody's fucking face and got suspended for a couple of games. Like, that was in a team. That was their same fucking... No, it was Andre Garrard, who was a member of the, the Cowboys at the time. And he got suspended for that. And I think it's an incredibly... Bad fucking take for NFL players and former NFL players to say that during an altercation at a joint scrimmage, if a player rips two helmets off of other players' heads (laughs) and swings them at other players, you should not be suspended for that. And low-key, Aaron Donald is also a freaking dirty player as well. He's done some shady shit with choking people um, and some – not so not so flattering things during his NFL career. So congrats, Aaron Donald. You're my asshole of the week. If do you remember, don't beat us up. Do you remember when people lost their minds over the Miles Garrett thing with Mason Rudolph where he swung yes. the helmet at him? They were gonna how, charge him with a like attempted murder. How is this any <laughs> how, how is this any different? Exactly. 
What? Just because it was on Monday Night Football, it's now like a bigger deal. Like, oh, you know, you tried to kill somebody, but it was like on somebody's cell phone. But well, because like the kids saw it. Yeah. So I I did not get much into it because I didn't want my blood pressure to go through the fucking roof. But just listening to some of the takes that these people had, I was like, I like Ryan Clark. He was a good player. He's a good commentator. I was like, but this is a very stupid fucking take, bro. I don't think he's a good commentator. Well, that's your opinion. <laughs> Picks was, of the week. He was talking shit about Hunter Redfro the other day, and I'm like... What a dick. Picks of the week. Let's get them. I'll, I'll start. Right. I'll start. Um, I finally saw Nope um, the other day, and it was fucking awesome. Jordan Peele, fucking three for three. Unstoppable. Um, I what I loved about this movie was like it kind of was marketed as a straight horror movie, which it's not. It's more of like a big theater epic. Like you can tell that he's very much a Steven Spielberg fanboy. Um, there's like the movies I would compare it to, obviously, is Close Counters, um, very similar to that, but it also has like a Jaws element to it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I love Daniel Kluwa. If you've seen him, he was in uh, Get Out um, and Kiki Palmer, who's awesome in this movie. It's just, it was like, it was probably, I think it was about a two hour movie and it felt like 10 minutes. Like it just, it was, it, it was action packed. It had a lot of really good comedic elements to it. So um, I'm really, really interested to see what Jordan Peele does next because, uh, as far as I'm concerned, I know a lot of people did not love Us, um, his second movie. I did. So, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, anytime he makes a movie now, it's going to hit that level of, like, Tarantino to where I, I have to see it because he made it. Yeah. Is that on Apple TV? Do you know the platform it's on? It's uh, it's available for rent. It's a theater at home, so it's a little bit more expensive um, than, like, a standard rental for, for digital. That will go down in time, but, like, it's still in theaters at this point. So, it's essentially the same price as going to theater. So, gotcha. But, yeah, Apple, Vudu, whatever your pleasure what would you rate it out of a out of a five? I'd give it a four and a half, easy. Juicy. Yeah. Cool. I think it's the second best behind Get Out. Nice. Gotta what you got? So I'm torn. Um, I've I watched two documentaries, and uh, both of them were kind of batshit to me, and I think I'm just gonna say both of them because why the fuck not? Do this it. is the second. Yeah, you're not most. driving. Exactly. Um, the first one that I saw was uh, was Victoria's Secrets Demons and Angels. The weird dude that is uh, like the creator of Victoria's Secret. Uh, Wexler or whatever his name is. But it turns out... It's a Jeffrey Epstein guy, by the way. He's a, Exactly. And that's where this whole thing gets fucking wild, is that he basically signed signed off to Jeffrey Epstein like the decision making for his estate uh let the guy basically like live rent free in his like New York home um they were like really really good friends and only when like things started really turning bad for both the business and for Epstein did he start to try to distance himself but not really okay Uh, <laughs> and and that's why I'm going to go now to the other person with an equally insane documentary, and that's Running with the Devil, the John McAfee documentary. It is 
a fucking chaotic mess. Um, but the guy was constantly on the fucking run from these unknown fucking sources of evil. He said that the cartel was in connection with like high ranking US officials. They were running fucking drugs and uh human trafficking and all this shit and he was constantly on the run and there's a big twist at the end. I don't know. I think you you got to watch both to lose your mind for a little fucking while. That might just be too much brain shattering shit for one day. I might need to break that up by years. Yeah. I agree. Uh, what, way, plat- what platforms are both those on? Uh, Hulu for the first one, and uh, Netflix for uh, the the McAfee, John McAfee fucking doc. By the way, guys, um, Daily Beast just reported that Trump is demanding either a new election immediately or make him the rightful president. <laughs> Declare him as the president. Wait, did that just come in? Why do we yeah. always... This yeah. literally happens every time we have a fucking. Yeah, it report. dropped like it dropped. It just it just dropped. A, I think a few minutes ago. <laughs> okay, Donnie. All right, we'll cool. Get, we'll get right on that. Yeah, sounds sounds like a good time. Very cool. Very, <laughs> Very legal. legal. What what fucking what just dropped that caused him to react that way? I uh, I don't know. This this is going to be a problem for them because he's going to be focusing on how it was a rigged election and it's going to suppress voters. Oh, and uh, we're going to have to talk about how he was selling fucking where our spies were and their identities. Yep. Fucking burn yeah. notice. So just wanted to throw that yeah. out there. Tom, what do you got? Um, so I think this is an apt pick of the week, just given the date. Um, last night, I watched the first five episodes of Five Days at Memorial. Um because you hate yourself. Wow. Um, there are few movies or shows that like hit in a certain way, but this left me fucking cold. Um, so um, for those who don't know, five days of Memorial is based off a book that talks about um, Baptist Memorial Hospital in New Orleans during Hurricane Katrina. And by the way, today, August 29th, is the day that Katrina made landfall in New Orleans. And the book focused on the hospital that effectively was cut off from the rest of the city because of flooding, because of power outages. And this hospital that had um, 250 or 400 patients, I think it was 250, 250 patients on top of 53 other individuals that were in like an elderly care unit for acute illness mm-hmm. with 400 staff members and 450 family members there. They were effectively trapped for five days. And it gets into a lot of the ethical questions about how the response to the hurricane occurred both at the, the city the local, the state, and the federal level. And then ultimately, and the unfortunate reality is what happens if you have folks that could potentially die? And what is the responsibility of medical professionals to ensure comfort in their last hours or last days? And it's, it's fucking gripping, man. It's, it's, 
I'll tell you what, there are, there are a few shows that have left me like this bothered and shook. And we all grew up during um, that time. That was in 2005 when we were in our senior years. Right. And like, I remember seeing a lot of this on the news, but not like fully understanding what happened. And I went kind of on like a deep dive into hurricane Katrina today. And just, it's, it's wild. It's, it's insane how little preparation was done, how much damage was done and how basically the federal government was like, oopsie daisy, sorry. The guy who ran fucking FEMA had no like disaster experience. He was like Hal from fucking, uh, Oh, what's the fucking movie with fucking Will Ferrell. Anchorman. Yes. <laughs> He's putting mayonnaise in the toaster. It's exactly that. Um, the book the book was written by Sherry Fink, who's also a medical professional, worked in disaster relief for a long time. Um, the showrunners, it was developed by John Ridley, who is known for 12 Years a Slave and American Crime, and also Carlton Cuse, who, um, for those who like the Jack Ryan TV show, he's one of the showrunners for that. Uh, Vera Firminga is in it, Sherry Jones. Um, a number of folks that gave very compelling performances. And there's another three episodes that are coming out, but um, it, it brings up a lot of ethical questions about like um, continuity of care and things of that nature. And, you know, I couldn't imagine what it was like to serve as a medical professional in that hospital during those five days. There's so much crazy shit that happened then. Um, yeah. But five days of Memorial, give it a watch. I would caution if if you uh, don't want to be sad for the rest of the day, or I mean, frankly, it could be traumatizing in some. Just cases. make sure you're make sure you're in the right headspace for it. Yeah, it's um, I, I think you were te- you were texting us whatever like this is like a full blown horror movie. Yeah, and I, and I said that... I I said I didn't have the emotional like bandwidth for it yeah i just can't i couldn't do it i'll but get to it eventually but as, as a resident sociopath i jumped right on that and uh yeah you're <laughs> right um it's like they open up the fucking show they open up in like walking into that hospital after after the fact what was it like 40 days later or something it was 11 days after it was a ele- well that was that was when they finally cleared out or when they had come back um, it was when that um, that mortuary crew came in. They came in on September uh, 11, 2005. Oh shit! Okay, so that that okay, yeah. And um, like you look at like they're walking down the hallways, and this this was a hospital. It's supposed to be clean and sterile, and it's fucking trashed and destroyed and ripped apart. And they're all in hazmat suits, and they open up this one room, and they're just like fucking floored at what they fucking see you know and like already from the get-go they had me in that fucking scene i was like what happened here there were 45 individuals who had died at the hospital and there was an argument that was made by the state attorney that a number of them were effectively killed with morphine in a cocktail of sedatives um and Anna Poe, who is one of the doctors there, who's actually a professor at LSU, but was a cancer doctor as well. It was believed that her and two other nurses were involved with the the end of life procedures that were done at a number of individuals. The um, euthanasia, yeah. Yeah. Um, 
nobody was effectively charged with it. Um, the charge that was placed on Anna Poe was expunged from her record. But I mean, I'm, it, it brings up the question in a situation like that, if you know there is no way for these people to get out and they are very close to death, what do you do? And I don't have an answer to that. Like, and I, and the, the writer of the book said that she didn't have an answer to that, but it was just understanding like there was, that was an incredibly traumatic time for so many people and fuck dude. Dude. And, and the thing, the thing about it is that from the get go, there is this like level of hopelessness that just builds and builds and builds. And the funny thing is, I think they do a good job of showing how like desperation, desperation, despair, the fatigue is growing. And so's the water, the water level keeps rising and, like you feel the pressure that they're going through in that sense. And yeah, like it, it takes like incredible, like all the people that were, that were there trying to help these patients, like all that staff, man, like they're fucking heroes for trying to do everything they could. Like it, it was a feat. Yeah. And unfortunately a lot of the lessons that were learned from, uh, Memorial Hospital, Charity Hospital in New Orleans were not learned during Hurricane Sandy either no. for the major for the major city hospitals in New York City where um, Bellevue Hospital in a book that we had talked about a couple of weeks ago during the flooding of New York City during Sandy, they had their generators several floors up, but all the pumps to get the fuel were on the ground floor. So they actually had to take buckets and create like a human line to like transport all of this fuel up all these flights of stairs to keep the generators running. Extremely dangerous. Extremely dangerous. Yeah. So yeah, five days of Memorial, get in the right headspace to watch it, but it's, it's probably my pick of the year. Strong. Tom. All right, boys, we are all done. Thank you all for, um, Jumping into another episode of the Second Mouse Podcast, we appreciate uh, you providing us with your ears, and we hope that you provide us with your ratings and reviews later on. Um, Give us a shout on all major streaming platforms like Spotify, Apple Play, Amazon, um, Google Play, big fans of the Google Play. Um, But also, too, you can find us on social media, on Twitter and on Instagram at Second Mouse Podcast. We do this shit every week and we make fun of people and we hurt their feelings and make them subscribe to BetterHelp on a regular basis. So do us a favor and send us your assholes of the week and we will shame them on the air. We're going to do a lot of shaming of assholes. Always. But that does it for us, folks. We will see you next week. Next week, our fantasy football draft, by the way. So we will dissuade from the political commentary and other things like that and just go straight to shaming one another. Hell yeah. All right, folks. Till next time. Bye. Bye. Fuck off. Okay, let's get me a rhythm. Follow me. Then he says, and I'm not kidding you, he goes, now clap. Please clap. Just clap for that, you stupid bastard. I need applause to live.
jokes, Mr. Jokey. Joke maker. Ha! Suck it, Jack Sparrow. 